tacos are supposed to be amazing. So like, they yeah. hang out with you. Yeah. Five, four, three, two. Ben Greenfield, ladies and gentlemen. And we're Bobo. Live. Hey. Yo. So it's been a lot of fun hanging out with you for the last 44 minutes. That's a sick game you have out yeah, there. Yeah, it's pretty fun, right? I need to it's build a addictive. really, really big, like, 67-yard-long living room to, <laughs> to put my big screen in now. Yeah, that thing is crazy. This We're talking about this game called Techno Hunt that we were just playing. Yeah. So, dude, you you are an interesting fucking guy. You do a lot of weird shit. Uh, th- no, I, thank you. I think. Yeah. No, it's good. Uh, yes, it's it's a compliment. When I say I'll take it. Yeah, interesting is a good thing. But your um, like your background. You were just telling me this is very fascinating. Like, you you live way the fuck out in the middle of nowhere. Well, right. it's, it's kind of, I mean, it's Spokane. Right. Spokane, I mean, we have like a theater. But you're off the grid. And we have restaurants. Yep. Like there are theater. actual people there. Two restaurants. Yeah, there's a theater. There's, there's a little five and dime <laughs> store and a general store. Uh, Spokane's a normal place. It's pretty normal. But you're, you're totally yeah. off the grid. Well, up at our house, we yeah. are. You know, we're, we're solar panels right. and well. And the way I have it set up is we eased in power from the local municipal power. But if that goes out, then it hits the solar inverters and we're full solar. Uh, so and then there's, there's like a battery panel in the garage that stores the solar. Because right. we're, on, we're on like a north-facing slope. So you get sun from 10 to 2. Right. So we can't right. collect a lot of solar, but you store it in the battery. So it's, it's there. So you got to be and very then, judicious with yeah. your laptop yeah. use. Yeah. Well, yeah, we, uh, if you want to go off the it's, grid, totally. It's, it's a stupid home. So there's, there's no Wi Fi, there's no Bluetooth. So everything's like, it's, it's hardwired metal shielded Ethernet cable. That's through the whole house. Cause I don't like to have like Wi Fi signals bouncing around. I just, really? I, I don't feel good. I don't See, f- yeah. I've always wondered about yeah. that. Like, yeah. what, what is that doing to us? Well, apparently, I, I just I actually just read there's a there's a really good new book that came out. It's called like the the non tinfoil hat guide to EMF. I think is, is the full title mm. of the book, but it goes into this idea of what are called voltage gated calcium channels on your cell membrane, and how those actually get affected by Wi-Fi. And apparently, you see like a like a change in the electrochemical balance across the actual membrane in response to things like Wi-Fi. Uh, apparently, Bluetooth affects red blood cells, and oh. I haven't seen a, I haven't seen a lot of like actual you know in vivo research on that. But I know that I feel better when I don't have like the Wi-Fi router going, or you know I I turn off all my all everything at night. There's kill switches in all the bedrooms, so it's ba- you walk into the house and it's just super clean. You know everything's HEPA air filters, negative ion generators, no Wi-Fi. No Bluetooth. We we structure all the water that comes in from the well, so it's the same. You know, it's got like that. Uh, have you heard of structured water yeah, before? I've yeah, I've just heard about it because yeah. Eddie Bravo just got that installed in his gym. Yeah, it's kind of cool. I mean, the idea behind it. There's this this cat up at University of Washington named Dr. Gerald Pollock, and he has done this research that shows, like in plants or vessels, like blood vessels, for example, there's an exclusion zone. Of water, I mean, there's like a positive charge on the inside and a negative charge on the outside, and that might be backwards. It might be positive on the outside, negative on the inside. But either either way, it causes fluid to move through vessels in a way that allows it to move more easily. Like like the water is actually charged. So apparently, when you drink structured water, it hydrates the cell a little bit better. Huh. Yeah. Sounds like and it that's might a, be. That's apparently how, how water moves through plants. That's one of those things yeah. that you hear, and then, like, you talk to a scientist, and they go, no. Yeah. And they get mad, so yeah. I don't know. I, well, I interviewed, that, <laughs> I interviewed that guy, Gerald Pollock, and he has compared, basically what he's compared is, like, how it moves in, in glass tubes, and how uh-huh. if you structure it and you watch it, it, like, the water moves up through the glass tube way, way better. Uh. And then I interviewed this guy, uh, Thomas Cowan. 
and he talks about how the heart is not really a pump or doesn't act as much like a pump as we're led to believe and so if you if you drink structured water apparently the blood moves better through the vessels hmm. so i haven't seen a ton of research on it but i structure my water just because it's cheap it's like a it's like this tiny little like plastic piece that you put on on your on your water filter. what exactly is it doing so the water passes through a series of glass beads like it vortexes it so after it so it comes out of my well and i've got i tested my water and i've got a, like a bacteria-based iron and high levels of manganese like i thought well water was just all like pristine clear like you know like if you drink out of a spring on top of a mountain right but uh apparently there's there's crap in the well water so i filter it and then after it all filters it passes through the structured water filter i would imagine that you would get some stuff in the water because if somewhere along the line there's like a dead animal or beaver fever yeah yeah there's dead animals all over my house just piled everywhere carcasses so but I'm, I mean, you I'm know, very out, careful. No, but <laughs> they, uh, the woods. well, then the other thing is like what I get concerned about is you know you, you see like glyphosate and herbicides mm-hmm. and pesticides yeah. they get sprayed all over the crops and I live in farmland territory, Ooh. right? So I'm on this north facing slope and there's all like these farms above me. So I figure if that's dropping down through oh, the yeah. ground into that water, I might be getting some of it. So I filter. Yeah, that totally yeah. makes sense. I know a guy yeah. who got bone cancer because he lived off of a golf course. And uh, the golf really? course is constantly spraying stuff on the golf course, and it got into the water supply. And a bunch of people in the neighborhood that got bone cancer. cancer. Oh, like, really? Like, it happened to more people? Yeah, a ton of people in the neighborhood got cancer. Wow. Yeah. That's, scary that's shit. crazy. No, what I tell people is, um, like, people who don't have a well and who just live off the municipal water supplies, you use a reverse osmosis water filter because it's a really, really fine filtration, mm-hmm. but it takes everything out. Like, it takes the bad stuff and the good stuff out. So you want to add minerals back in after right. you filtered the water. So you get a reverse, and you could buy these on, like, Amazon. So, like, a reverse osmosis filter with what's called remineralization. Or you can just use reverse osmosis and then use, like, trace liquid minerals or you know, sea salt or anything else yeah. to add electrolytes back in I know in a lot diet. of people put, like, a pinch of Himalayan salt yeah. in I go water. through so much salt. I use this, uh, this stuff called Mexican salt, Kalima salt. I have in my. I was actually at a steakhouse last night. People make fun of me because I pull out my big white bag of salt and I just sprinkle it on everything. But I'm hmm. a. I'm a fiend for salt. I love salt. It's very good for you. And unfortunately, yeah. there's been a terrible myth that's been perpetrated a long time ago that salt yeah. gives you high blood pressure yep. and it kills you. And yeah. that's a that's a real tragedy because that's one of those ones that it was it was spread in like probably what was it the 60s or the 70s when they started telling people that salt causes high blood pressure. I have no clue. People yeah. still repeat it today, and they don't understand it. It's an essential mineral. Well, the, the, there's a there's a new book out about this. I forget the name of the book about yeah. salt. Have you heard of this book? Yeah, I've yeah. heard of the book, but yeah. I don't know the name so, of it. Either. But it depends too, because um, I, I used to do racing for Team Timex. I used to do these Ironman triathlons, and they'd bring people in to test us, and they would do sweat sodium analyses, where you actually get a patch put on your skin, and it measures the amount of sodium released over X surface area of skin. And then there's an algorithm that determines, like, how much total sweat you lose, say, per hour during exercise. And, and some people lose a copious amount of sodium in their sweat. And some lose barely any at all. So you have, like, a sodium conservation mechanism that differs from person to person. Hmm. So there might be some people who store salt really well who might actually get higher blood pressure if they, if they consume a lot of salt. So but if you my, have a, a massive excess of salt in your diet. Yeah, my numbers were off the charts, though, in terms of how much sodium I was, I was losing, which is probably why I feel so good. Well, that makes sense. You're sweating yeah. so much, yeah. right? I mean, it's just going right yeah. through your body. Yeah. Now, going Plus, back it tastes to, amazing. Yeah, I, I'm happy I to die of high blood pressure just because the, the salt just makes. I know, I'm a big fan. Like. I love kosher salt. These two, uh, these to pay. 
Didn't they pay like Roman soldiers and sure and, and salt? Oh yeah, people yeah. went to war for salt. Yeah, yeah, they used yeah. to carry. I'd, I'd take salt. I mean, I'd, it's really kind of amazing that it was just less than a two hundred years ago that they figured out how to like make refrigerators. You know, I mean, yeah. what is a refrigerator from the nineteen thirties? I think it was. When when did they first invent those things? And then before that, they know. had ice boxes. You'd have to get a chunk of ice from somewhere. Right. Have to get you mean, an insulated you mean to, to store stuff. And yeah. before that, they just used salt yeah, to preserve things. things yeah, they things in salt. And yeah. I've heard. I don't know if this is true. But I heard that if you come from an area, like, like if your ancestry is from an area where they did a lot of that fermenting, pickling, curing, salting, that you have more robust sodium loss mechanisms, like which mm. would make sense for me. Like I'm Northern European heritage. I did a lot of like pickling, salting, curing. So I would lose more salt than somebody who might have come from, let's say, like uh, Sub-Saharan African or Southeast right. Asia or somewhere where they might not have been using so much salt. Yeah, that totally so, makes sense. Yeah. So yeah. with this Wi-Fi thing, I want to go back to that because um, I've always wondered. There's there's not a long history of use of human use of Wi-Fi, no. and one of the things it sounds it's so like the stem cells we're talking right, about, right? Exactly. There's, there's not a lot of a lot of studies on that either. Ninety year old dudes yeah. running around, they've been doing right. stem cells for right. sixty exactly. years. Exactly. Yeah. But the Wi-Fi, like when it sounds hippy dippy, but if you go somewhere like Prince of Wales, Alaska, and you're mm-hmm. on on a mountaintop, it yeah. feels different. Oh, totally. There's does. no radio. There's no Wi-Fi. There's no direct TVs getting to you. There's nothing, mm-hmm. and that f- it feels different up there. Yeah. It just, well, you're also, I mean, like you're grounding and earthing, yeah. right? And you're you're uh, you're breathing a lot more negative ions because you're outside in the fresh air, and really you're not, fresh you don't air. have all the emails jumping out from your inbox. Yeah. There's there's a lot of confounding variables, but I mean, all I know, and and I test. Uh, you you ever tested heart rate variability? No. Like it's the um. Do you know what that is? HRV. A lot of athletes use it. To, I've heard to it, but I don't recovery. know much so about the, it. What does it mean? It's the interbeat individuality, like the variation in oh. the amount of time in between each beat of your heart. So it's not like how fast your heart is beating. It's how much time is in between each heartbeat. So you can measure that, and you're supposed to have like slight beat-to-beat variation in how much time is between each heartbeat. And if you have that, that's high heart rate variability. So you can use that to track your readiness to train, your recovery, right? So I use, you know, I use like a ring like this, or I'll do like a heart rate What's strap in the morning. So aura, aura ring. Actually, the, the, <laughs> the, have you heard of this thing? No, but dude, just going on your website. A, I got it out of a, 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 a Cracker Jack box. It's a, it's a power, it's a power ring. It's a mood ring. Oh, uh, I have seen one of those. Someone, someone sent me something. They don't just use rings, right? There's like other methods of measuring it as well. Or oh is it yeah, just rings? like you can use a, a Bluetooth-enabled heart rate monitor strap. Okay, and that's right. what that's what I used to do. Is you wake up in the morning, you put on the strap, and you test your heart rate variability, and it tells you, you know, if it's low, you might say, okay, well today is going to be like a, a yoga day or an easy swim or a walk in the sunshine. And if it's oh. high, then that would be a day where you'll do like kettlebell training or, or a wad or whatever it is that you're going to really? do. Really? And then the other thing you could use it for is if you you'll sometimes purposefully get it low. Like I have some athletes that I train where we'll work them into a state where they've got really low heart rate variability and then what happens is you taper right like you recover you rest you super compensate so you see a bounce back of nervous system recovery and you you can use that to purposefully adjust the training huh yeah and if you train through a low hrv for too long you can predict illness you can predict injury so it's a cool way to to track training and you can even you can look at um there's a high frequency and a low frequency component. When you're saying you can predict illness and injury, like Me- how, how meaning, so? meaning like my HRV is low, but, but screw it, I'm going to go train anyways. Right? Oh. And you do that day after day, you get injured. And the weird thing is that you can have no musculoskeletal soreness. 
right? Because a lot of time that subsides, you know, delayed onset muscle soreness. You see that disappear after like 48 hours. And if you've crushed yourself, like I, we, we can talk about this later if you want, but I've been doing single set to failure, right? Single set to failure exercises where it's just like a 15 minute long workout, but it's just full on isometrics as hard as you can go for 60 seconds to two isometrics. minutes. Isometrics. Isometrics. So you're pushing against, it's, a, it's like this force plate machine mm-hmm. that you push against and you just generate as much force as you can. And it ties to your iPhone and it alerts you when you've dropped off 60% of what you're originally producing at the beginning of the set. And then that's it. Set's done, game over. So you might do deadlift, squat, press, overhead press, pull down. And that's the whole workout. And then you're just recovering in between each of those sets. So this plate, I mean, how are you doing the, a deadlift with a plate? It, it's a force plate. So, for example, you'll so have, you're standing you'll on have like a bar okay. right, that you're holding onto. And the bar is attached to the force plate via two stands on either, like two pillars on either side of the bar. And you pull the bar and then the force plate detects how much force you're pulling. And what position right? are so you let's in say the deadlift? The you're bottom you're position? standing on top of the force plate. Right. You're supposed to choose the hardest position of each exercise. So like halfway right? in? So if I'm, if I'm bench pressing. It's like my elbows are slightly bent as they're right. like just near the top. Or uh, squatting, it's like the knees are bent at about 30, 40 degrees. So, so you get into that position, then you generate as much force as possible for 60 seconds. Or not. When I first did it, I was at 30 seconds. Now I can go a little bit over a minute where I can continue to generate as much force as possible before it drops off to just 60% of what yeah. I was originally producing. It's a, it's a cool, efficient way to train, but you don't get that sore afterwards. Right, so musculoskeletal soreness is not a good indicator of recovery in many cases. And that's where this HRV thing comes in is your nervous system, right? Your central nervous system, your neuromuscular system can be really beat up after a workout, even if the soreness has subsided. So that's where you use something like HRV and you can say, okay, well, I'm not sore, but my HRV is still low. So, so this is going to be an easy day for me. I'm sorry to act like a moron, but explain that one more Such time. So if, you're, um, if your body is not sore but your HRV is low, it's, what is it showing? What's an indication of? So if your body is not sore, but your HRV is low, HRV is measuring your nervous system recovery, oh, right? Okay. So, so you might not be fully recovered. So what I'm saying is like musculoskeletal soreness or discomfort is not necessarily the best indicator of whether you're fully recovered. You have to test the nervous system too. That's so weird. And that's I've where never something like, like an HRV before. measurement comes in. And, and coming full circle, I've noticed when I do those morning measurements and I'm traveling or I've got the Wi-Fi enabled at my house, my HRV is low. So it's affecting my nervous system somehow. Is the wi- so, Do you think the Wi-Fi is a mind fuck? Do you think it's really doing something to you? I think it's doing something, but then there's the, pl- there's the placebo it? effect. I feel it. Do you feel surging. it in this room? I feel really... I f- See, you, that's. I'm trying to feel it. That's why you're a moron right now. You got the Wi-Fi going. <laughs> What's going on, Jamie? What do you got my there? My HRV off of my eye. Uh, oh, you just. Te- what did you use? Did you use the finger tip? No, I have my Apple Watch. So. Oh, what? The yeah. Apple Watch tests your HRV. Yeah, so it's been doing it but the whole time I've had it on. But it's paradoxical because the Apple Watch is making Wi-Fi. So, Jesus yeah. Christ! You can't win. It's so confusing. God damn it, Ben yeah. Greenfield. Yeah. No, that's why I was talking about this. This ring. Uh, I bought this in Finland like three years ago because I wanted like a body tracking device. I want to track my HRV and I want to track my sleep cycles, but I don't like sleeping all night because like I sleep with my kind of like my hand tucked down by my dick, you know, like in, in by my crotch. I don't want something just like you sleep like this. I kind of I like sleep on my side with my hands tucked like underneath me. And they're and literally like my right hand is right down around my balls basically while I'm sleeping, and I didn't want something just like blasting me. That makes sense. I was sleeping, so yeah. So because if if it was on my wrist or on my finger or wherever, so this has like a built-in computer and you could put it in airplane mode, 
and it'll still collect all the HRV data and everything else. Then when you want to take it out of airplane mode and sync it to your phone and upload all your sleep data or your HRV data or anything else, you can do it. Uh-huh. So, so that's that's why I wear this ring instead of like a Fitbit or a Jawbone or 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 Jamie's stupid yeah, Apple I, Watch. <laughs> yeah. I never know whether or not I'm being ridiculous with this stuff. Like with worrying yeah. about phones being in I your mean, pocket like, if you get butt cancer. <laughs> you know, because some, some dude told me that once that he got cancer. I think it was testicle yeah, cancer on his cancer. right side. And the, the, uh. the guy was saying, do you keep your phone in your right pocket? He's like, yes, I do. And the, the doctor was telling him that. I was like, how the fuck does the doctor know? Like, this is not proven stuff. Like, this is all real speculation, yeah. right? I mean, it, it? It, it's tricky because, I mean, you can say about the bone cancer on the golf course, right? But but a lot of people But that, I think it, there was so. a class action lawsuit yeah. there because I think yeah. they tested the water. And yeah. there was whatever the fuck the stuff that they yeah. use for fertilizer or um, uh, pesticides. That's what I was telling you. I was concerned about the, the dick cancer thing because yeah. of the stem cells. Like uh, right. Well, you shot cancer. You well, shot stem cells into your dick. Well, for the past three months. Men, so, Men's Health magazine just had me write this article called "New Year, New Dick," where they had me. <laughs> I'm serious. You get them. It's got a. It's, it's the issue with Marky Mark Wahlberg on 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 the cover. How uh, appropriate. Yeah, yeah. Like how to make a small dick bigger, right? And you put Marky Mark on the on the cover. <laughs> And now he can he can beat me with his with his four foot tall fisticuffs. Uh, anyways, though, so they had me go around doing everything that a guy could do to enhance sexual performance or increase the size of your dick or increase blood flow or increase orgasm quality or you know they just wanted to find out what right. everything from like freaking gas station dick pills to which by the way those things do not have in them what they say they have in them. What do you uh, think they so, have? In so them? they you know they say like epimedium. And Eurocoma Long Jack and like right. horny, they really horny goat Cialis. wheat extract. Yeah, it's basically freaking Sildenafil, right? The active right. ingredient in Cialis or Viagra, and then uh, ephedra and copious amounts of caffeine. Mm. So I would take these things and just literally feel like my head was going to explode. I mean, it's it's like drinking ten cups of coffee. Yeah, but, we have a, a friend of ours who predicted accurately that John Jones was taking those things when he pissed hot because uh-huh. he was like, those things have everything in them. And he's like, John Jones does coke. He goes, I guarantee you, he's taking dick pills. They're actually Meanwhile, pretty entertaining to read, like because it's all like the, the you know, like it's like reading a Chinese fortune cookie. Right. Right? It's like maximum potency, <laughs> vigora, and everything's spelled wrong. <laughs> uh, but the uh, so they had me doing that. They did, did you do an analysis um, of the ingredients? Did you actually get it tested? No. No, we, we went to all these labs. They wouldn't let us actually test, but <laughs> apparently the FDA has tested them. And if you go to the FDA.gov website, they have, like, these these warnings out about the actual ingredients. We took the five that they had warnings about and tested them. And, and <laughs> the dangerous yeah, ones. Yeah, and they, um, yeah, you don't feel well. You feel like your head's going to explode and your oh. hands get all cold and clammy. And some of them say, to, I don't know why, but they say to take them in the morning, right, which doesn't, to me, make sense. But you take them in the morning, so you just feel completely screwed up. Like All day. The whole morning. It's like mm. you're just mainlining coffee. So they did that. They did, um, have you heard of this, like, acoustic sound wave therapy for your dick? <laughs> I'm serious. I'm so, sure you are. I'm okay, not so, even going to answer. No, no so, I have not. So this, this is a clinic in Florida. It's called Gaines Wave. And of you go down there. Florida. You go down there. And, uh, and I walk in, and the first thing they do is they hand me this, like, syringe full of numbing cream. And I'm supposed to just like put it everywhere, and so I I smeared it, you know, my balls, my like I just went everywhere because I didn't really know what they were, what they were gonna do, and I wanted I wanted all all yeah. shields activated going in, <laughs> going into this thing, so I walk into the room and and my dick's all numb. They have me lay down, and and so my legs are splayed. I'm on this exam room table, and this gal comes in, and she's got like this giant wand attached to a machine, and they do this for women too, by the way. They put like a condom on the end of it. And and she just basically goes to town for like twenty minutes, like a jackhammer. And I was like, Brrr. 
like everywhere just around for 20 your minutes. Your it's supposedly, yeah, everywhere. It, it supposedly it breaks open old blood vessels and it builds new blood vessels. And once the numbing cream wears off, you're supposed to, to perform a lot better. And then they combine this, you know, we were, we were talking about like with your shoulder, if you inject it, you should do like electro stem or vibration or something to, mm -hmm. to get the injection deeper into the tissue. Same thing, same thing dick? with this. They do the PRP. So they do PRP into your dick, Ugh. and then they follow it up. And you get you get a nerve block first. <laughs> I actually, I thought, I don't know why, I thought they put the needle just like right in the pee hole, which to me made sense, but, yeah. it, but it doesn't really. I mean, you want it in the actual tissue. So they actually go like up where the dick attaches, like the tissue at the top. Oh. They do two nerve blocks on either side, and then the PRP in. And later on, like a couple months later, they have me do stem cells. They actually extracted a like couple months later from my back and we did a stem cell injection. But this acoustic sound wave therapy uh, with the PRP, like it wears off and you literally just like get boners all the time, like like all night long for like so, a month. So the acoustic sound therapy is supposed to be breaking up blood vessels? Breaks open old blood there vessels. Jamie found new. it. Yeah. Gaines wave procedure breaks up yeah. plaque formation in blood vessels and stimulates the growth of new blood vessels in the penis. Low intensity extracorporeal shockwave therapy. Hmm. That's going to sell a lot of, uh, of procedures. I like the drawing before and after. Before mm -hmm. your veins are all tired and skinny. But, yeah, before it looks like, a, like an old hunched over man. Then all of a sudden <laughs> <laughs> Vigor. It looks like a bodybuilder vein. Yeah, I used to do bodybuilding. That's so, a, is that a horrible sport? Do you think it's real? Do you think that's really doing something? It, it worked for me. Okay, it worked for me. In the um, so yeah, they did the gas station dick pills. They did the acoustic sound wave therapy. But the, the, the acoustic PR, sound wave the therapy PRP was the best. injections. They had me do like the uh, no, the stem cells were the best. Stem cells, were stem the best. cells. But that, I mean, that, not everybody's going to be able to do that. But right. that was the best, bar none. Like they, so I went down to Florida. And of course, again, Florida. <laughs> I don't know what it, I think it's because all the old people live in Florida. <laughs> Florida's right? just yeah. crazy. It's, like it's Fort, barely Fort America. Lauderdale, all the people like hunched over the steering wheels, but yeah. all the guys have great dicks. They can't drive. <laughs> they have their blinker on for like two miles before they turn, but their dicks are, are primed. So the, um, the stem cell thing was at the U.S. Stem Cell Clinic in Florida, and I went in there, and they extract all the fat. For me, they, they took the fat out of my back. And what they do is they, they have, um, it's called an enzymatic process where they use something that breaks down the collagen in the fat, and then they have the stem cells that get separated from the fat. And apparently it's very, very high in these angiogenic, like, like vascular vessel building uh, compounds. And so then you get that re-injected. It's high in the um, mesenchymal, the, mm -hmm. the MSC, the MSC cells, which which are supposedly the very good ones right. to, to inject in. So I injected those, um, or I, I had a, a doctor in Spokane. So they shipped them to Spokane on ice, and they show up at my house at like 7 a.m., right? Because you got to get them delivered same day. And then I had my appointment at the doctor at 9 a.m., and I went to the doctor, and, you know, very it was like deja vu from Florida, right? Like I go in, do the, do the numbing. You know, the, the doctor the numbing know agents. you're going to do this? Oh yeah, I, I called him. And I, it was kind of friends with the doctor. Yeah, yeah. There's okay, a picture. I think there's a picture of him in the mag because they put all sorts of crazy pictures in the magazine because they had me doing like infrared light on my balls and <laughs> yeah, like I have like this big thing called a juve light that they had me standing in front of every day. Like I a jacked juve my light. No, I'll, I'll tell you about the stem cells. Okay, I'll tell yeah, you about let's this go one step at a time. It's, it's crazy. Um, so the uh, the stem cells. I went to this doctor in Spokane, and he injected these these stem cells that from my fat after they'd grown for like several. For, in this case, I think they were down there for like eight weeks. 
but you, I mean, they, they can do same day injections. But for me, I didn't have enough fat because for me, it was right in the middle of, I, I raced professionally in obstacle course racing. So I'm just like lean as hell as I go in there. So they could, they could barely get enough fat. So they had to grow them for a longer period of time. A lot of times they can inject same day. So I went into Spokane uh, at this clinic in Spokane, Lanou Integrative Clinic. It's like this osteopathic medical clinic with all these, you know, nice receptionists when you walk in the door and this 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 doctor who uh he's done stem cell injections before but he never actually injected them into someone's dick so i was kind of like the guinea pig for this so do, do you have to explain to him what areas you're supposed to no, inject he, into? he researched it and i think he actually talked to the folks at the stem cell clinic beforehand to make sure that they were on the on the same page okay. i don't want to fly all the way back down to florida right that's super inconvenient and it's just a dick you can, you can, <laughs> They'll make more someday. <laughs> They're growing kidneys and ears. Yeah. I'm sure they'll, they'll grow dicks someday. So um, so I got it injected. And that was, um, first of all, it looked like it got like run over by a semi-truck for like two days. It was like all black and blue where the injection was. Were you nervous? Was. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'd be um, super nervous. Like, what if it got infected? It, it could have gotten infected. Oh, I could, what if you got I MRSA in your dick? I could still get dick cancer. I've had MRSA, and I would not wish MRSA on your dick on How'd anyone. How'd you get MRSA? Uh, a triathlon. I Whoa. I got it. This was at the at the Wildflower Triathlon. Like coming back, my flight got delayed, and I was covered in all these. Cause it's like an off road triathlon, and I had all these scrapes and wounds. And I think I think my layover was in Vegas. I don't remember where, but I had to check in a hotel. Flight got delayed, and I slept in this hotel room that I swear, like there must have been something on the bed. Because within a few days, like it was all, you know, it gets all nasty and cakey, and then it was eating a hole. I wrote a whole blog post about this on my website, and that so you can, can see. That. I need to see this. Yeah, pull up the hole in the back of my leg. It's nasty. Marcia scares the yeah. shit out of just, me. Just just search for like Ben Greenfield staff, and and you'll see the pictures. But it was eating a hole in the back of my leg, and my my kids roll now once a week, and I buy uh, I get the the defense soap from on it. As soon as they yeah. come, as soon as they come back in the door, I I have them go into the shower upstairs. And, defense soap and is awesome. Down. Yeah, yeah, they exactly. have a bunch of different wipes and stuff for people that train in yeah. a place that doesn't have a a shower. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you gotta be careful. That and careful. Uh, a thieves essential oil. Like mm -hmm. it's like an, like it's yeah. a whole bunch of companies make this version of essential oil called mm -hmm. thieves. It's like clove. And it's named after these, these thieves who apparently never. Yeah, clove, cinnamon, eucalyptus, which is really thieves? good for staff and rosemary. It's actually named. There's like this story of like these four thieves that apparently traveled around the world and they would rob homes and 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 they never got sick. Like that's <laughs> basically the story. I'm sure this was this was some board table at a at a multi level marketing essential oils company. Somebody came up with this story, yeah. or it could be true. I don't know, but the um. Yeah, the, the stem cells into the dick, that, that was an interesting one. But it did, um, I think, from what I can tell, looking in the mirror, it got bigger. I'm pretty sure. How much? So Half inch? Oh, like maybe that much. Like, Quarter inch? Like enough to tell. And my erections got bigger and my orgasms got a lot better. For how long? They, they're still like that. Still? Yeah. So, it yeah. so I think the stem cells kind of like stick with you. Whoa. Um, well, last week I got them. I told you I'm training for the RKC kettlebell cert. And I was doing the, the 100 reps in five minute snatch test with the, with the one and a half boot. And I felt something just go. I was at 84 reps and I felt something go in my back. And I got stem cells injected all up and down my QL, my multifidus, my rector spinae into my psoas. But then they also sent them to my, to my house. And I did that same fat cell, the stuff that's rich in the mesenchymal stem cells into the bloodstream. So I did a push IV into the bloodstream. That's the one 
that you would have to go out of the country to do normally you're not supposed to do that like that's it's technically not legal for someone to inject you with your own stem cells into your bloodstream but if you get your stem cells extracted and they're stored and they send them to you you can technically inject them if you do it yourself or you like have a friend who's a nurse or whatever right and you it's literally just like a push iv it's like 30 seconds we we caught it all on video for uh men's health films so they'll, they'll publish a video at some point but i was super nervous because it's like a few thousand dollars worth of stem cells that you know I'm, I'm trying to hit the vein and make sure that they go in the right way yeah. and then inject it's a very very small amount well you had to be the most nervous getting them shot into your dick though no i was kind of nervous yeah. yeah yeah that seems um, to me like super experimental it, it, I do a lot of that, though. Yeah, I, know I mean, you do. like that—that's kind of my shtick, yeah, right? Like, right. I do a lot of immersive journalism, a lot of self-experimentation, a lot, of, a lot of guinea pig type stuff. Yeah. Uh, and I'm—I'm I'm not dead yet, and I still have my dick. So. Oh, you look I'm, great. I'm happy. Yeah, thank you. you look very healthy. Thank you. Like I'm, I'm 22. <laughs> um, oh, there's but the I'm hole. actually. Oh, yeah. Oof. That's. Is that? Yeah. Is that's, that him? That's one of them. That is. Yeah, that's an image from my website. That's oh, not wow. as deep as it got. I don't think that's the worst photo. The worst one I've ever seen website. is Kevin Rambo. They have to stuff it with iodine. Like mm -hmm. they have you Gauze? had it before? No. They have like these long iodine strips when you get the MRSA, and it's like it's flesh-eating bacteria. Yeah. yeah, there's that's me too. And they stuff. See that hole in the middle? Yeah. They stuff like a iodine. It's like a stick in there, mm -hmm. like a strip that has. But they literally stuff, stuff it. it in there, and you yeah. can feel it. You got. You were telling me you got dry needling done. Mm -hmm. and you know, like that weird pressure. Mm -hmm. It's not like pain, but it's like a weird pressure from yeah. dry needling. This is like that, except pain. Right. Like, like it's both the pain and the pr It was horrible. Horrible. Like yeah, I've I've had some friends that have got back my staff in their leg where they've like a, a small golf ball size mm -hmm. hole in their leg, and they literally had a packet full of that kind of gauze covered. I don't in like how you say medicine. small golf. Golf ball is yeah. a big hole well, for the yeah, back of the leg. A golf ball, but yeah. it's like smaller than a golf ball, like a large it, marble. Any hole in the back yeah. of the leg, in my opinion, is too big. The worst I've ever seen is Kevin Randleman. See if you could find Kevin Randleman's staff. He had open holes where you could see his muscle structure under his armpit. It was horrific. Oh, my gosh. He, he never really yeah. recovered. He wound up dying young. I, he died? He died young. From that? Who knows what he died from, but gosh. look at the hole. I think I look still have it. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That's, a, that's wait, his muscle what, tissue. That's Kevin Randleman. What body part is that? That's his underarm. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, look at that. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, that's how bad it was. That he, looks like he got shot. He does. Yeah, he was rotting away. And I don't know if he didn't treat it quick enough or I don't know if it was just really aggressive, but it's oh a real common thing in gyms. And, and once you get it, it stays with you. Like yeah. it stays in your bloodstream. Like yeah. I still, like I have an essential oil diffuser on my desk and I put thieves in it every day and I just diffuse essential oils in the while, air. while I'm working into the wow. air. Yeah, it's like a nebulizing essential oil diffuser. And I did just, just to play it safe, right? I just want to be breathing that in during right. the day just in case. Fuck. But that's, um, and that's the other thing is I stand in front of this light, this infrared light, and this What's is this that, dick that, light that again? it's a dick light. Yeah, it's, What's it's, it called? It's called a juve. And um, so it, they've, they've done these studies on testicular and sperm production, and they've found that there's a wavelength that's like 600 to 800 nanometers wavelength of light that if you expose the testicles to that for five to 20 minutes a day, it's based on this concept of photobiomodulation. So I originally got into this whole photobiomodulation thing when this company, because I, I blog and people just send me these weird things to my doorstep to, to try. And they sent me this like nasal probe that you put up your nose and it's got like a, a helmet on it. You could, you could look it up, Jamie, if you want. It's called a, a violite. And it produces this light that supposedly activates a part of your mitochondria. So you have like your electron transport chain in your mitochondria. 
and there's a part of that called the cytochrome C oxidase. And it apparently activates more activity in the cytochrome C oxidase, you produce more ATP, in this case in neural tissue, because you have it on your head. Mm-hmm. And they were using this in dementia and in Alzheimer's patients, but it turns out it's almost like a like a nootropic for your Whoa. head. Yes, that's me at my desk. Whoa. Uh, back back when I was back when nose? I was a, a young Chinese woman working at my desk. Um, <laughs> up your nose yeah, on your head. I like how that guy's just like looking pensively off. This girl's off reading into the a wall. book. She's reading a book. She looks, She's reading Twilight. Yeah, see, that's what I originally did. They sent me just the nose one and I felt shorted because because I, they had like the full head, so I asked them for the full head one. This and, is so um, fucking weird. I know, and you can feel it, like <laughs> pulsing. And uh, and uh, what's um, it was? I think it was NPR. It was either Radio Lab or um, what's the other science one? And I think it, I think it might be Radio Lab. They did a study on like or a, or a story on like this ten to forty hertz frequency. Nine volt like Nirvana. A, yeah, no, we that, talked about that's, it. That's TDCS. Oh, the that's right. That's transdermal is, yeah, stimulation. I right. have one of those, too. The transdirect cranial stimulation. That, yeah. that halo device that you wear before a workout. Yeah. You use that thing? No. Yeah, well, it's I'll, one at a time. I'll we'll tell get you about to the that. Halo one thing. at a time. So this photobiomodulation. I'm putting this thing, you know, the probe in my ear. Right. And, the thing, and you're not even supposed to use it too much because it produces so much ATP that if you amp up cellular activity in neural tissue too much, you produce too many reactive oxygen species. Like, that's a byproduct of cellular metabolism. It's just like if you eat too much, you produce a lot of byproduct of making energy, and that's why it's one of the reasons why fasting is good for you. Mm. Like it cleans up the system, and you don't make as many free radicals. The same reason, like, ketosis is good for you, right? You're not burning as much glucose. You don't produce as many free radicals. Same concept with this. You don't want to use it all the time because you get too much activity. You produce too many free radicals or too many reactive oxygen species. But every other day, use it. So and new year, new, new dick, how, how often did you use it? Well, this is from my head, and I, and th- this was like a couple years but ago. it's the same thing? This is a couple years, and it was like a cup of coffee for my brain. Like every time I'd wake up, and I'd put this thing on while I'm working at my desk. So then um, this company that makes these lights that are very similar activates cytochrome C oxidase, activates uh, release of nitric oxide, but if you do it on your testicles, specifically the cell that it works on is the Leydig cells in the testes, which are responsible for producing testosterone. So you're basically stimulating the Leydig cells in the testes Whoa. the same way that you'd stimulate like neural tissue using this one for your head. So I'd had success with the thing for my head. So I tried this one for the balls and the dick. And what I did was I would just jack my pants down for five to 20 minutes a day while I'm saying <laughs> that you know, I'm diffusing my essential oils and I got the thing on my head. And... um and it works. Like you actually get more blood flow. I mean, I, I didn't do a control study, just pulling my pants down and standing there for five to <laughs> twenty minutes out there without the light on. I should I should do that at some point. Because right. maybe it's just like the whole you know, it's like supposedly Placebo going going, going combat style is supposed to be good for your dick too. Just right? going so. combat style? So there's yeah. you. With your yeah, that's me. Balls out. Yeah, that's I'm standing on standing on my wobble board. I got my ball light. And um that's actually not my office. I was at one of my friends' houses because he had one. And uh Anyways, uh, and I'm obviously I'm not naked, but normally right. I, w- I would I would be nude, and uh, yeah, you and just you just nuke your that. balls, and you just basically nuke your balls, yeah. And what it's was like the a, effect? It's like a warm teddy bear, uh, increased vascularity, better size, better orgasms. I mean, like like all this stuff seemed to have a so all this stuff seems to make your dick it had bigger some and kind work, of, work it had better. some kind of an effect, yeah. So um, PRP injections, acoustic sound wave therapy, stem cells, the infrared light. Uh, the gas station dick pills, and that's the one I, I would not repeat. Hmm. Um, and then they had me do some Ayurvedic stuff, like the no ejaculation thing, which is horrible, okay. like where you, where, you, where you have sex, but you pull out. Yeah, uh, and they had and me do like the revert, like uh. the uh, 
it's a book it's called the the multi-orgasmic men so mm. i read that and and learned how to like you know pull back like like not actually orgasm right and you like pull it inside and then you finish up and you're just like pissed off the rest of the day yeah, that and you can't, like, can't sleep at night because you're all you're just like what so you could see how it would work but for me it's like, like I got kids and my wife and I sneak away to get it on. Like I want to, I want, get it on. I want the full meal deal. Like, so, so I didn't like that. The, the no ejaculation reverse orgasm thing, but what's it supposed to do? Like when you internalize the orgasm, when you keep it inside. What's so this is all based on Chinese medicine principles. Right. Like your, I think it's called your Jin or your Jing or something like that. Mm-hmm. But you have this, this energy, you know, your, your chi or, your prana, your chakra, your life force, and apparently orgasming is, and, and, and coming, like ejaculating, is supposedly one of the ways that you give some of that life force away, like you release some of your vitality. And by having sex but then not coming, you're actually creating that same hormonal response of oxytocin and testosterone and all these things that we release when we're having sex or when we ejaculate, but without actually giving up that that vitality, that right. life force. There was even like, I found, I found like uh, tables where like based on your age, there's a certain frequency with which you're supposed to ejaculate. Like, like the younger you are, it's like every two days, every three days. And the older you get, like it gets to a certain point where you're like 70 years old. And it's like every, every month or something like that. And so it's, it's, it's kind of interesting, but again, I don't, I don't like that. Like I, I want, I want to, I want to finish. Yeah, I wonder if but that's a it. preconceived uh, prejudice that you have, though. Like, I wonder if you just yeah. went into it like completely objectively, if it would have some yeah. sort of a benefit. Uh, or maybe you just get like mineral depleted, and you lose all your zinc and everything else you need to make sperm, and you hmm. start to cramp up. I don't know. To me, you'd have to be ejaculating a lot. I think. So when you were doing all these different things, how much of a time, like how much of a buffer did you give yourself in between each thing? So it you could it find was out? not a well-controlled experiment at all. <laughs> it was like three months of just like, hey, do that. Hey, why don't we try this? Let's do it. Hey, the article's coming out soon. We should toss this in there too. So they probably so compounded. It was not a well-controlled experiment. And I did a lot over three months. Like it would have been a lot better to just try one thing at a time. But I... But God, I, I would be so nervous. But I am well hung and very vascular now from the whole experiment. So, so there's that. Wow. Um, so yeah, it's called New Year. So New Year, New Dick. And it really did make your dick bigger. Mm-hmm. So do you think there's any help out hope out there asking for a friend? Guys who have micro dicks. Mm-hmm. Micro? What's a micro dick? Guys who have like really small one. penises. I I would imagine there's hope. I'm sure they could be like great politicians or very very (laughs) influential. And so there's got to be some kind of trade-off, right? It's like if you if you have uh, sickle cell anemia, apparently it protects you from malaria. So maybe Mm -hmm. if you have a small dick, it protects you from some Mm -hmm. kind of horrible accident later on in life. I don't think so. I don't know. I don't think so. I just wonder, like, if there's a way to fix that in people. If maybe this is the way. Because I've always felt like that's got to be one of the saddest things. It um. Again, like you never know. There could be a bunch of ninety-year-old men walking around with dick cancer sixty years from now who, right. you know, heard this and all went and got injected. So I, I will not attest to the safety of it, but sure. I can attest to the efficacy of it. Um, so What's yeah, crazy may, maybe some it... of those things would work for the, for all those people walking around there. All of your listeners with small dicks hmm. just gave them there's salvation. Hope. There's yeah. hope, fellas. There's what, hope. So so yeah, that's me, though, um, is that you know you know, like you're you're saying it still works. Like it's st- how long ago did you do this experiment? 
Oh, I mean, like the this the magazine's still on the shelves. Like it just came okay, out. Okay, so it's, but uh, how so long? This was like this was like ago, starting. Right? I got the stem cells extracted in August. Okay. Of 2017. So this is, and then this is like the end later, of January. You got them shot. Yeah, eight weeks dick. later, I got those shot into the dick. So and we're then only like with a couple months. six months later, after they'd really grown a lot of these mesenchymal mesenchymal stem cells, mm-hmm. I got them injected into my bloodstream and in, into like that injury that I'm fighting in my back right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd done some other things before that for, for the back and for tissue, like peptides, like mm-hmm. this, uh, the BPC-157. That we were just uh, talking about before yeah, the show. Yeah, which is really interesting stuff. I mean, it's, yeah. not, it's not intended for human consumption, but it's also not banned by WADA. I mean, it's, it's it actually, it's legal to use, and it's a peptide. Um, it's called body protection compound bpc 157 and the 157 refers to like the sequence of amino acids that makes up the actual compound but you can buy it and reconstitute it and then if you inject it into an area and it doesn't even have to be like a painful intramuscular injection it can be like a subcutaneous injection bpc supposedly stimulates angiogenesis and it's a it's a natural compound you find it in the human gut so they took this same thing that helps to heal the human gut which is why if you were to consume this in drinking water, it supposedly, and this is in, in rodent models, it apparently works to like heal up an inflamed gut, you know, colitis, IBD, IBS, stuff like that. But you can inject it into a joint or subcutaneously into an area around a joint, and it supposedly stimulates the, uh, I feel like this is a, a repetitive phrase on this show, the growth of new blood vessels. Mm. So angio, angiogenesis. And then there's another one called TB500 that they use in racehorses, thymosin beta. That one is banned by WADA. But similar principle, except that one acts on the actin and myosin fibers and actually causes regeneration of those. So you could do both, and you get angiogenesis and then also fiber regrowth. And that's that's a strategy that would be like pennies on the dollar compared to stem cells Hmm. and also, you know, a far less— a far less intensive procedure in terms of, like, collecting your stem cells. Right. Yeah. And then there's— um. So there's there's the fat for the stem cells, and from what I understand, if you're going after the anti-aging effect, like the bone is better, like the, the uh, like a bone marrow. So I had mine, I had my bone marrow extracted at this place called Forever Labs in Berkeley, California, and they store that. And then what I can do is I can just inject the 35 year old me into my body every year or every five years or whenever I want to put that back in. So I've got bone marrow and fat marrow stored. Let and me stop you there real is, quick. Did, yeah. So they take the bone marrow, and how do they have enough to just keep going? Do they somehow they, another they, replicate they apparent, it? I, I don't know the, the protocol that used to grow the stem. Like, I know the fat one, they use, uh, like, a collagenase procedure that enzymatically breaks down the collagen from the fat and somehow concentrates the stem cells, and you can actually grow them. Like, you can actually multiply them. I'm assuming it's something similar for bone. Huh. And the bone would be more for like longevity and anti-aging and then the fat would be more for for joints i know a lot of people who got the bone marrow done for injuries yeah 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 and it's supposed to be very painful was it painful for you when they extracted the bone not compared to the dick injections no No, it's all relative (laughs) (laughs) but i'm I'm, i've been i've been obstacle course racing and i was i was triathlete before that and did Mm -hmm. bodybuild so i've always done all this you know masochistic shit so Getting, I think my pain tolerance is is high. No, but I'm sure. The, uh, the the bone marrow didn't hurt that much. No, it was no. like they they numb it, they go in. Um, the dick one was weird. There was like that weird pressure, a little bit of pain, 
I would say that the iodine packing into the staph infection that we were talking about, that was that was up there. Well, Daniel Cormier, UFC light heavyweight champion, had it done with the bone marrow, and he was telling me it was painful as hell. And he's about as tough you a human being as they get. You mean getting injected or getting no, just taken getting out. extracted. It's I like, mean, it's it's a big needle. He was limping around, he but said, for a while. When I did the stem cell injections, that was cool because they used, they used a digital thermography. So you can, mm. it's like an ultrasound. It's like what you would use to look at a baby. Yeah. But you can you can see the tissue. You can see the areas where there's swelling or there's like a black area where where the tissue is torn up or where there there's edema or inflammation. And you can and and um uh, he showed me the video after he did all the injections. You can see the needle like going into the. You can you can micro target exactly yeah. exactly where you want to put the cells. Yeah, I've done so it's it. It's a very very cool procedure. <clears throat> I've did done they, it did they use that cool. the, the yeah. thermography? Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's a cool procedure. Have you ever done regenekine? No. Are you aware of it? You know what it mm -hmm. is? It's no. uh, it's one of the things that a lot of uh, pro athletes are going to Germany to get done. It's uh, it's a form of platelet rich plasma where they heat it up, and by heating up the uh, the plasma, it produces this radical anti-inflammatory property. It's like they extract it into this yellow serum. They spin it in a centrifuge. So if you're going to get it done, I've had it done on. How that. is that different than just normal PRP? It's more powerful, more powerful. Really? Because yeah. it's heated up. Yeah. Because I've done PRP before. Yeah, I have as well. Yeah. yeah it it's. I mean, obviously, I'm not a doctor, but uh, according to these doctors that do it, and there's a place in Santa Monica that does it called huh. Lifespan Medicine. I've had it done really? there. Really? Yeah. They, for the longest time, you had to go to Germany. Like uh, Dana White flew to Germany to get it done. Um, Why? Because it was, it was illegal there. in yes, the U.S. They hadn't. Yeah, they hadn't. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. Now it's legal I'm going. Uh, I'm going over to uh, to uh, Venice Beach. I'm going to be down by there. I'm going to the, these cats at the uh, that place I was talking about, the Human Garage. That's well, an interesting I'll, if place. you really want to yeah. talk to the guy who does it, my my friend Dr. Ben Ruhi is the guy who yeah. uh, it performs the procedures down there. He's a great yeah. guy. He would love to talk to you too. Yeah, sure. Cool. You'd you'd get a kick out of cool. it. It's pretty interesting. I'm sure someday shit. I'll run out of stuff to inject into joints, but for I, now, for yeah. me, it really helped me heal a bulging disc in my neck. Really, they, they go right into the spinal cord. It's great for people that yeah. have uh, pretty serious neck injuries and back injuries. Have you tried this thing? I think it's it's Peticon is the company that makes it, but it's like a, a neck traction device. Yes. I have one. Hand Hanging him, I have, I have one so I have, a, I have yeah. that and a yoga trapeze, mm. and so I'll, ha I'll yoga hang. In your yeah, I'll Instagram. hang by the neck. I do this when I get up. Right? I get up and I put like a bunch of magnesium on my neck and my back to relax all the tissue. And once you get really relaxed, and I have this uh, this this vibrator. It's a uh, it's like a car buffer for your body. So you can vibrate your neck and your back, and, and you get really really relaxed. And it's it's perfect for. You know, for like doing your own deep tissue therapy, mm -hmm. but it but it vibrates. So I'll do that on my body, and I go hang from this neck thing. Yeah, and you get all these pops up and down your neck, and it, and it, it apparently realigns the atlas and the axis and some of the cervical vertebrae. And there's probably a bunch of chiropractic docs who are who are uh, really uh, uh, pissed off right now because I'm describing this incorrectly. But it it feels amazing, like it just adjusts everything. And then I hang from the yoga trapeze. Well, what it definitely does is like decompress. Yeah. It definitely decompresses yeah. your, I don't know about all that other nonsense, but it definitely, yeah. it's stretching out those muscles and alleviating some of the stress that comes from bad posture. Mm -hmm. And for me, it was a lot of grappling, a lot of yeah. getting your neck cranked and squished and yeah. you know, resisting things. It's all like, time. Um, it's kind of similar to traction. And I've really yes. been getting into that. Have you heard of Eldoa? E-L-D-O-A? No. It's like a form of stretching where I actually had a guy come to my house for two days, and he stayed in my basement, and we wake, <laughs> we wake up. I've done this a few times. I'll have people come over to me and, and just, like, teach. There's there's another uh, guy who mashes, or, like, use a walker and just, like, mash up and down your body. And uh, But this is Eldoa. So Eldoa, you'll, like, push a joint out this way, 
and then out this way, and then your feet will be splayed in both directions. There's like 20 different poses that you do, but it's a form of self-traction, hmm. right? So it's like, um, it, it's similar to like if you were to use a monster band to traction a joint. Have you ever done that? Like traction your hip with a, where you'll tie a monster band around your hip and then attach it to- uh, I have not, no, to, but I've seen, to, I've seen yeah, people like do it. Kind of pulls it. a joint apart. Yeah, that's Eldoa. So is, is, that, is that Adam from Mind Pump? Is that, is that the Mind Pump video? I think that's my buddy Adam. It says Mind Pump. Spe- yeah. Spe- Spinal yeah. Health L-Doa, E-L-O-D-O-A. Yeah. yeah, so that that's one of the ones I do in the morning. That's L5-S1. So they, so they all work on a specific like part of the back or let me, part let of the me body. Say, let me say it again. E-L-D-O-A. Yeah. L-Doa, L-Doa. L-L-5 or L5. I forget two. what it stands for. It was invented by this guy named Guy Voyer, a uh, uh, French guy. And... Uh, Dude, you feel amazing. You you hold these poses for like a minute, and it introduces a bunch of new blood flow to the joint. They see how he's doing that. Mm-hmm. He'll like put his hand up and traction the fascia, and so he's getting this intense pull. If you were to do this, you get this intense pull on your back. I do this one so I get, I could show it to you after. But you feel amazing. Mm. I do this when I wake up now. And uh, who invented it's, it's a very all this cool stuff? Form of stretching. This goes back. This is like some some French guy invented it, and. Uh, I don't remember how I heard about it, but I, inve- or I, uh, I interviewed this guy named Jacob Schoen on my podcast, and he taught me all these moves and came to my house. And uh, it's it's another one of those really cool forms of stretching. It's now, like how um, often do you do yoga? I have a uh, I have a sauna. You, do you ever do mm-hmm. like an infrared sauna? No, we have a regular sauna. I use a like a like a near far infrared sauna, mm-hmm. and I go in there because your your tissue is very pliable and hot. So I had a I had a crane drop a 19 foot endless pool out in the forest back behind my house in Spokane, <laughs> and I and I keep this thing just like super duper cold, right? So it's like 45, 50 degrees. So that's like my my cryotherapy How cold water immersion. Well, during the during the winter and the fall, right. it just stays that cold. I just keep the lid off. And then during the summer, when I'm coming back home and I'm going by the gas station up the up the hill before my house, I stop and I buy ice bags and I just dump them in there. Wow. So so it stays relatively cold. And uh, what I do in the mornings when I'm home is I do this sauna. And you ask about yoga. I go in there, and I'll. this is when I do a lot of this stuff, right? Like I'll do some of my yoga moves, some of my Eldoa. There's another really good form of stretching called Core Foundation, a uh, doc named Eric Goodman. And it's like a form of decompression for the spine. He works with a lot of athletes. It kind of like turns on your glutes, decompresses mm-hmm. your spine. So I, I just use a mashup of all these little moves, and I'll be in my sauna for like 30 minutes. So I'm producing all the all the heat shock proteins. I'm getting the nitric oxide, getting the blood flow, and you just feel you feel good when you right. do the sauna. So I, I get all sweaty, and I, I get kind of woo. I'll sprinkle essential oils in there, and I'll burn like Palo Santo incense, and you know put on you burn incense put inside on, the put sauna. On beats, yeah, it smells really wow. nice. And, and you and put you on can, beats like you binaural can put beats. On, yeah, like binaural beats. So there's this this guy named um, Michael Tyrell, and he makes these these CDs and these tracks that... Even when you said his name, you lowered your voice. Michael Tyrell. You lowered your voice. Michael Tyrell. Makes these amazing tracks. <laughs> and they're, uh, they they vibrate at specific hertz frequencies, right? Oh. There's there's this whole idea that, like, your root chakra, like your fourth chakra, your heart chakra, vibrates at 528 hertz, and there's there's different hertz frequencies associated with different positive aspects of, of your... You know, it's, it's this... Uh, it's like a uh, a chakra, like right. A, but like is that a, bullshit? I mean, have you tried to debunk I don't any know, of that? I feel really good. I'm trying good. To, if I feel good, I'm gonna try to debunk right. it. I just why do not? it. Yeah, yeah. Why not? No, are you doing so, this with headsets on? No, the sauna has like surround speakers, and okay. so I just I play that through the speakers, 
no Bluetooth and no Wi-Fi, Jamie. Just like it's just like my little shitty little iPod shuffle that I plug in okay. and, and play. And um, so I, I play that while I'm in the sauna and I'm doing all my moves. And then I walk out of my house, go through my office, walk through the forest, and I go and jump in the pool. And I'll How just like swim in there for like five, it's like fifty yards. It's not that so far. So you just jump one yeah. to the other. Yeah. And so you, you jump one to the other. And no, it's a, it's too much to go back and forth. Like I've tried to just I got to keep things somewhat because this is getting kind of complex between right. like the light on the balls and the essential oil. Like <laughs> you gotta you gotta draw the line somewhere. Stem cells. No, sometimes I'll have friends over and and we'll vape or we'll smoke in the sauna and then we'll go out to the pool and then go roll around in the snow, then get back in the pool, then go back in the sauna. And my I, I do this and my wife is inside making dinner and we just feel amazing. Like we got the hot, we got the cold, right. and then we go in and we eat dinner. It's it's amazing. It's my favorite thing to do with my friends. Wow. But in the morning, I do the sauna and then the ice and then or the, or the cold pool. And then I finish with a quick dip in the hot tub out in the trees because I, I put a hot tub next to the cold pool. And everything's like super clean. You know, it's cleaned with ozone and minerals instead of chlorine. And so you just feel really, really right. clean. And then I walk in and start my day. I feel like wow. a million bucks. So I do yoga. Yeah. But it's in the, it's in the sauna. Well, it sounds like you're just stretching. You're not doing like the strengthening poses. No, I, I, I do actual like, you know, well, what do you mean? Like, like standing Like warrior bow poses. one, warrior two, warrior three. Like, like standing bow pose, head to knee pose like, you, I, like I do very say, strenuous i'm not doing like old person yoga I no do, i'm just saying i do, I do not, the legit shit listen yeah. i know you're a fit guy hard. i'm not questioning I, your fitness i, I do I'm a just, headstand i'm just wondering yeah. what you're doing actually in the sauna mm. yeah different i make it up as i go mm -hmm. i don't have like um I was, just based on how you feel I, well i was speaking in in Co that's why i'm down here i was speaking in costa mesa a couple of days ago and there was like this this banquet dinner as part of the event and i was sitting next to this guy i'm like well what do you do for you know your fitness routine etc he does bikram yoga every day but like the Bikram yoga, mm -hmm. like all of the poses that are part of Bikram yoga, because it's a set series of routines. Mm -hmm. You've done Bikram before? Yeah. Yeah, it's like 90 minutes. And he does that yeah. every single day. I did it nine days in day. a row. Yeah. Well, yeah no, he's been doing it for October. like eight years every day. I'm impressed. Because yeah. we did it, uh, we did Sober October. We had to do 15 of yeah. them in a month, me and a bunch of my friends. Yeah. I, I wanted to burn it out. So the last nine days, well, it was, I had a few days to go, but for nine days, I just said, let me just get these out of the way. And yeah. every day I did 90 minutes and it was like, yeah. wow. But it's yeah. interesting because you realize it's, that your body can do that. It is. You it's, just it's, force it. I don't like to overdo it, though, because it's static stretching. Mm -hmm. And we know that can decrease force potential. Like it can decrease power production sure. if you become too pliable, too isn't flexible. That, isn't that the case, though, pre-workout? Like pre-workout, uh, well, it's the case pre-workout, but chronically, if you elongate tissue, and I don't know if they've actually done any studies on people who have done yoga for a really long time mm -hmm. and compared like their their vertical jump right before and right. after, but I just feel almost too stretchy if I get too into it. Like I feel like when I run, it's a little bit more like Gumby running hmm. versus. Limiting um, the amount of weird. yoga that that's I do. interesting. That's and weird. definitely, definitely static stretching prior to force production yeah. is is not a good idea. Right, like prior to things yeah. like squats or something right. like that. It was like when the it. when the lights went out during the Super Bowl a few years ago. You remember that? Mm -hmm. And you could see on TV both teams were just like standing on the sidelines or sitting on the sidelines doing these long hamstring static stretches yeah. and. And, and I wondered why they were doing that, because they were about to get back in right. and, and engage in a very you know, powerful, explosive sport. So, yeah, it's, it's uh, dynamic stretching, definitely. Prior, right. prior to force production activities, yeah. Yeah, I wonder why they're doing. Maybe they just have really old school trainers or something like that, are not aware. Yeah. Or maybe they're just doing it but, on their uh, own. Before I do that isometric training um, for for power production, I've got two things. 
I bought this stuff called nose torque on Amazon. You heard nose of this stuff? Nose torque. It's like smelling salts on steroids. No. So, really? Uh, yeah, a power lifter told me about it, and he, he would sniff it before he'll go, like, you know, rip a 700-pound <laughs> bar off the ground, and you you uh, snort that you open up oh the cap God. on this stuff, and it's just like releasing a wild animal into the room. And it So uh, you release the cap, and it's like smelling salts on steroids, and you smell, and you just want to go kill somebody or find really? somebody. Yeah. What is it called? It's called nose, nose torque or nose turk. Torque Ever, yeah. It's something like that, like nose, nose torque. Yeah. T-O-R-K. T-O-R-K, yeah, there you go. And so I do that, and then the other one that I, <laughs> I, I just made this. You can buy this for like pennies on the dollar on Amazon. Yeah, you can get these essential oil inhalers. So here's some guy just smelled it. Here we go. Yeah. Oh. He can't even get it near his face. Yeah. He's got it yeah. way oh, out. It's, it's hard. Like, it packs a punch. But what is it supposed Watch. to do? Did he just do it, or is he getting ready to do he it? He just opened it up. It's like smelling. It's ammonia. So it, right. it uh... I don't know chemically, like I would imagine it just puts your sympathetic nervous system into overdrive when, mm. when you sniff all that ammonia. Like he's, so been, he, he's been really ginger. He's, he's like, oh. I've, I I've <laughs> done it, I've done it with some of my friends at restaurants. I carry it around sometimes. Oh, Jesus. You bring um, it to a restaurant? I, ha I have some out in my bow case, actually. You can, oh. you can smell it. Go get it. Um, right now? You want to yeah, sniff it right yeah, now? let's do it on there. All right. Let's do it. it. All Go right. Nose it. torque. It's out in the <laughs> yeah. car. Um, oh, it's in the car. It's in. You know what? We'll do. Okay, we'll, we'll do, do it after. We'll do It'll, it would be boring podcasting. <laughs> Plus, if people were, really want to try it, they can just buy it on Amazon. Um, but so they, it jacks the other one your is, system uh, up and excites yeah, you and yeah. it allows you to. So they should be on the field doing that before they. Uh, I don't know if I would recommend that. You know, there are probably some guys like nosebleeds and heart attacks. <laughs> that fucking smell. Yeah. They. They. Um. The other one is uh, uh, peppermint. Have you ever used like peppermint oil? And they've done studies on this, on peppermint oil and really? athletic performance. And what I have is this little, uh, it, it, it looks like a little tampon. You can buy these on Amazon. They're called aromatherapy inhalers. Mm. And it's like this little cotton wick. And you put it, you, you put essential oil on the cotton wick, right? So it absorbs into the wick. And then you put the cap on and you can carry this around in the gym in your pocket. Or I, I play tennis on Wednesday night. So I bring it to my tennis matches. And while I'm playing tennis, I'll stop sometimes and, and sniff this thing. <laughs> kind of say like awake and alert. And dude, like it, it's just peppermint. It's just peppermint. But it has this amazing effect. It's like this wakefulness promoting effect. Wow, so, peppermint. Yeah, peppermint's amazing. I put like if you get bloating or gas, you can smear that around your, your stomach and it makes it go away. It goes it's through one of my, your skin? It's one of my favorite oils to use, yeah. How like does It gets absorbed through the skin. I mean, you know this. The skin is skin is a mouth. Yeah, but I mean, it gets all the way in your internal organs? I don't know if it actually goes into the actual stomach, like in like like through the through the epithelial lining and into the into the actual intestine, but like it it has an effect for sure. In terms um, you of, know what I just started using recently is topical C B D. I got yeah. some uh, topical CBD and like a yeah. roll-on, almost yeah. like a, a deodorant roll-on mm -hmm. kind of a thing. It's amazing. Yeah, CBD. There's uh, there's one. Um, I use this stuff called Bio CBD, and it's turmeric or curcumin with CBD. Ah. And and yeah, it's same thing. It's like a topical. They also do uh, THC, like THC roll-ons. Yeah, they do that. There's now. Another thing. Speaking of the of the sexual performance thing, you can actually buy like THC sex lube. Whoa. And I mean, it's like a high for your crotch. Literally, you apply it locally, and it's like your crotch gets a high. I you believe can do, it. You can do the same thing with these little uh, coconut oil THC suppository. Well, they're not a suppository; they're they're meant for swallowing in the mouth. Mm. That's that's the normal route of delivery. But you can shove them up your butt <laughs> like thirty or forty minutes before you have sex, <laughs> and you actually get like this amazing high for your crotch. It's just like these THC coconut oil capsules. Wow. How'd you yeah. find out about that? Yeah. Just shoved up, just, up your butt and take notes? I just, yeah, just, <laughs> just have, put it up uh, there. They have actual bath yeah. salts 
not bath salts like the drug, but yeah. the stuff that you put in the bath now that's THC. Really? Yeah, they're doing everything out here now. It's crazy. They've gone hog wild it, because it's out here. You mean like legal. California? Oh, well, same well, thing. Washington, Washington. Yeah, Washington's well. legal. Yeah. But um, yeah. what uh, the guy that I get my stuff from in California just started giving me this stuff to put in the bath. Yeah. And you just he's like, you got to be careful though, because you yeah. can get way too high in your bath. I believe it. Your skin's yeah. with, with skin pores. absorption. Yeah, yeah, you're literally like just yeah. like bathing in it, like people bathe in, in wine at these yeah. fancy spas. Yeah. They what? They bathe in wine. They have wine baths. Yeah. Oh, There's this place Christ. I go to in New York City. Uh, it's called R A Spa. A I R E. And they have like one of the options to go there is you can just take like a bath in wine. <sighs> that sounds so yeah. like Caligula. I know. It's <laughs> <laughs> like bring me the wine and a few virgins and some, some feed oh, me look grapes. At this lady. And, yeah. She's taking yeah, a drip of it. This bath oh, is full God. of wine. Oh, that's so strange. That's kind of cheesy though. She she looks like a news anchor. Like yeah, yeah she does. Yeah, this is like for yeah. Oh, oh my she's gosh. Grapes. And there we go. I called it the grapes. You could so yeah. That it's actually a cool spa. I've never done the wine. That bath, sounds wild. That sounds I like want, you'd get I really fucked up. I don't up. know if you'd get drunk from the wine. I don't. I don't know if it would actually wind up in your in your. But they use antioxidant rich Tempranillo grapes. Well, how Apparently. could you not get some sort of absorption? I'm right? sure so you would get something. One of the things just, about the sensory deprivation tank is that through the Epsom salts, your body absorbs right. a lot of magnesium. Right. I like the uh, magnesium chloride, like using actual magnesium. Mm. Instead, and I like that because you can get it for, I mean, that's what they use to melt ice. Like, you can just buy this stuff. Oh, like rock salt? Uh, yeah, I know you guys don't melt a lot of ice in California, but, like, in Washington State, you can buy magnesium chloride, about like a freaking, like, concrete-sized bag, a concrete mix size bag of it. And it's the same stuff that they sell on these expensive websites as like magnesium salts. It's just magnesium chloride. Really? And you can dump that in your. You get way more magnesium than you get from Epsom salts. Oh wow! And that's really what you want is right. the magnesium. Like that. Yeah. That's displacing the calcium. That's producing the relaxing effect. That's you know. It's it's. Maybe I should add that to my tank. Magnesium. Yeah, because I've already yeah, got the, I don't know. the I, like, Epsom salts first in there. to make sure it's not going to mess up the. Is there like a filtration mechanism on the tank? Yeah, there's some pretty heavy filtration system, but it, it an, filters out a, the Epsom salts. I have an idea for float tanks. You want to hear my Ooh. idea? Oh, of course. Because I, that's why you're I, here. I, I just get, <laughs> I get really bored in float okay. tanks. So. Do you? Yeah, I just said. Uh, you ever go in with edibles? And I, uh, no. That's the move. No. Going no. with edibles, you went out before. Yeah. I've only done it three times, every time in Austin, Texas, and it's always been like I've been Got with one my right wife. Here. And, uh, yeah. Should have came I'll, earlier. I'll try, a lot of people do it with ketamine, don't they? Yeah, that's the, that's the um, yeah. the guy who invented it, John Lilly's method. Yeah, yeah I, I have an edible that I make at home uh, with with Kratom, which is an opioid-like painkiller. Mm. That's freaking amazing. It induces mm. this euphoria-like high. And then I add CBD, THC, copaiba oil. Have you ever heard of this? No. Copaiba oil acts on the endocannabinoid receptors very similarly to THC and CBD, but it has what's called like an entourage effect, meaning it enhances the effects of CBD and THC. So like if you're if you're vaping, you can add like a couple drops of oil over the top of the herb, um, or you can mix it into like an edible. Is so this I have those like a, sleep cakes that you make? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I saw They're that. Amazing. Yeah. Wow. My sister accidentally took one last week and said she had the best night of sleep of her life. Really? And uh, I don't travel with them because they, they just smell like you just open up a, a whoop-ass can full of weed. So yeah. you, don't, you, don't want, you don't want those in the bow case when you're traveling. All the dogs in yeah. the hall. Yeah, exactly. Every dog. Like, just a whole line <laughs> of dogs following me through the airport. I'm running like O.J. Simpson. Anyways, though, the, um, the, the 
uh, mix I use is coconut oil and ghee and dark chocolate and a little bit of stevia. Like I have this butterscotch toffee stevia. It's amazing. I travel everywhere. I put it in sparkling water. I put it in coffee. Wow. It's like an organic butterscotch toffee stevia. Where are you I'm, getting I'm that? I'm addicted to it. It's a, it's a company called Omica Organics. How you I actually that? get it. I get a three pack. O-M-I-C-A. I get it off Amazon. It's a vanilla butterscotch toffee and plain like if you just don't want if you want to sweeten something but you don't want those extra flavors mm. best best stevia ever wow. so i put all this in the edible and i have this countertop immersion blender called a uh, a magical butter machine <laughs> and, and you you blend this and it blends on top of your counter for like eight hours and all this stuff mixes together and then you pour it into molds and you can just put it in the in the freezer and then i, I keep it in these like little miron glass jars so it doesn't degrade and it's just like the best best edible ever so i should try something before a float tank sometime. oh yeah yeah but return to my float tank idea okay so i get these ideas when i'm in the float tank and i want to and usually it's like five or ten minutes in so I spend the next 50 minutes trying, like, to remember. trying to remember, like, don't forget this, don't forget. And I try, right. like, these little mnemonic techniques where you imagine, like, you, you know, the, the, like uh, an image of what you remembered is waiting for you outside the door as soon as you open the float tank. So it, it might work for you to remember. And But basically it just kind of screws up my whole Experience. ability to be able to just, like, let thoughts right. come and go and relax. So my idea is this. Why not have some kind of a recorder? Yeah, like I thought a of that digital already, yeah. recorder. You thought Voice of Voice activated recording. You can get those. Shit, I you thought s- I was the first one to think of this. Glue it to the wall. No. <sighs> Screw it. I've been doing okay, that forever. Okay, so, so like a voice activated recorder. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. Do you have one? Like, do no, you keep it I never there? did because. Yeah. And then you walk out and you just get an MP3 playback. Yeah. Whatever you thought of. I, I've been trying to figure out what a good one would be and how to set it up in there with all the salt and, and not have it degrade. Mm. But. I think you, you what could what you could do. You figure it out. I mean, sure, this is my thought. Sure. My thought is a Velcro, uh, like yeah. a Velcro patch. Slap it in when you go in there, and then activate it. You ever see those voice activated ones with the red I've, light? I've kicks seen on? voice activated recorders. Yeah, I don't That's want why the I'm red light. Be super easy. Yeah. Well, um, they make these LED. Um, uh, you know, they're they're like. Uh, you know, because I, when I travel, I don't like to get all the blue light in the hotel rooms and I'll, I'll unplug things. I try to make the hotel room dark, right? Because when you flip off the lights in a hotel room, it's just like freaking Vegas, right? There's blue lights on the TV and stuff flashing, you know, all, all over the place. So they make these. And I had it for a while. I don't travel with it anymore, but it's like a black tape. You can put mm-hmm. over over things that light up in a room. Like so you can just use something like that. Phone so, that yeah, it's like a, it's like a uh, you can uh, they're like LED light blockers. It's like tape basically, mm-hmm. but you just put it over the cover of anything that lights up. You can mm. use something like that on the digital recorder. Wow, you could sell this for millions of dollars. Well, I think it, the digital recorder thing is a really good idea, and someone needs to. Um, I need to. Thank you. I mean, I it was my a, idea. It was not your idea. I'm sure I thought ago. of it first. When did yeah. you first start doing it? Oh, I thought of this like two years ago. Uh, like I started when I, when in 2002. I, was in ta- okay. I got you, dude. Yeah. I've had one yeah. of them. I've had a tank since 2002. Really? Yeah. So. Yeah, I ra- I raced uh, Ironman triathlon for eight years and just got tons of sensory depth in the water, just staring at that black line at the bottom of the pool. Hmm. It's hard for me to just like get in water and relax and not feel like I have to swim. I just I've never been able to get that relaxed. Well, oh, that's interesting. Thing, so. so you associate like water with the movement because I of associate the water with swimming. I, like I get in oh. water and I want and I love water. Right, like I, I free dive and I spearfish. I read this book, um, Deep, by James Nestor. Amazing book about all these cool things that going when you go down deep. And he talks about how Olympic athletes are using this now to enhance their performance because your spleen compresses and you produce more erythropoietin, more red blood cells, 
same thing that you produce actually if you if you sauna like if you do a workout and you get really hot and then you go in the sauna after they've done studies on this and they found that 30 minutes of heat therapy after you've already gotten the body hot you produce epo the same as if you were to use the the performance enhancing drug it's like yeah that's interesting because there was a study that just came out about cryotherapy and this is this echoes something that Rhonda Patrick was saying that if you do cryo her advice was you should wait at least an hour after a workout before mm. you do it and allow your body to yeah. have some sort of effect uh, from yeah. from the exercise. But sauna, they're saying you should do almost immediately afterwards. So the, the idea with this, and there was a brand new study that just came out like three days ago yeah. where they showed that heat post-exercise enhanced mm -hmm. the effects of exercise whereas cold blunted the hormetic response to exercise, right, which makes it's sense. It's the same thing. Inside with, of a window, though. It's it's a window of time. So, right. so the deal is you don't want to blunt the hormetic response to exercise. High-dose antioxidants, cryotherapy, cold immersion, all of that can do this. That's a problem but, with, with fighters, because a lot of fighters are getting into cold immersion mm -hmm. like immediately after exactly, workouts. Exactly. So they should so, wait at so least So you'd want to wait till later on in the day. How many hours There's, there's no research on the amount of time. For me... What I do, same thing when I do like a hard afternoon workout, I wait a couple hours afterwards because you get a, a bigger testosterone and growth hormone response when you wait right. after workout to eat. Uh, I was uh, actually Mark Sisson was the first guy who told me about this. And, and it turns out that there actually is a better hormonal response when you fast post exercise. Same thing with antioxidants. And there are a couple exceptions I can tell you about. Same thing with uh, cryotherapy. Now at the same time, if you finish up a hard afternoon or especially like an early evening workout, you have a very high body temperature. So my theory is that a brief dose of cold, like I'll jump in the cold pool and get out. Not, mm -hmm. a, not a fall, just enough to decrease the core body temperature, which is one of the ways that you enhance deep sleep cycles. So mm. I, I also sleep on this thing called a chili pad that circulates like cold water underneath my body yeah, while Kelly, I'm asleep. Kelly Starrett sent me one yeah. of those things. Yeah, and the cool thing is like your partner can put their temperature on and I can put my temperature on and you can you can sleep at whatever temp you want. So I sleep with this thing. Doesn't it make at, noise though? At 55 degrees. Yeah, but it's not, it's like background noise. Mm. I sleep with all these you know, binaural beats and everything. Anyway, I use this drums. thing called, called Sleep Stream. It's like a DJ for sleep. Shit so marks. I put my phone in airplane mode and then I have these, these noise blocking headphones phones and if you're a side sleeper you can use these things called sleep phones which is like a headband that goes around your head um anyways though back to the to the not doing the cold after right. exercise so you wait a little while but i think decreasing the body's core temperature is good so like a cold, cold shower cold water immersion also beats out cryotherapy because beats out. You, yeah it, it's actually more and there was a study they did last month on this that cold water immersion was very effective in reducing post-workout muscle soreness and that inflammatory response to exercise compared to cryotherapy but again and you should wait a little bit before you do it you should wait a little bit before you do it but i think part of that is due to you get like this hydrostatic pressure of water against the skin right so it kind of pushes the cold against the skin mm -hmm. a little bit better uh, and then the other reason is that when your head gets wet, when your head goes under, you know, same thing as you would get with a cold shower, you get like this mammalian dive reflex, right? Like that sharp intake of breath and that activates your vagus nerve. So we talked about HRV and heart rate variability tracking. Anytime you do something like that, that improves the tone of the vagus nerve, you would actually improve your ability to recover the and tone. improve the strength of your, of your nervous system. Well, and they well, sell like vagal nerve stimulators and they've looked into like chanting humming singing uh, 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 jaw uh, they call it jaw realignment therapy apparently removes the pressure that the trigeminal nerve can place on the vagus nerve there's all these things you can do to enhance the health of your vagus nerve 
And that's one of the things that improves your HRV or your heart rate variability. It allows your sympathetic and your parasympathetic nervous system to but be more balanced. But when you're saying tone, like, what do you mean by that? The tone of the nerve, uh, it, it would basically be synonymous with, like, the, the health of the nerve. I don't know what, what's actually, I don't know if it's if it's changing, like, the, uh, you know, what do you, what do you call them, the myelin sheaths of the nerve or something like that when, when you're increasing the tone of the nerve. But mm. more or less, it's healthy for the vagus nerve when right. you get when you get your head wet or underwater. So when I go in my cold pool after workout, I put my head under and then come up like five or ten times just to mm. go up and down and up and down. Then I get out, and if I'm going to do a longer cold soak, it's not right after workout. The, um, the two studies I found on antioxidant use after workout, right, high-dose antioxidant like vitamin C, vitamin E, et cetera, that supposedly blunts the hormetic response to exercise. But there is one study that shows that green tea polyphenols don't do that. So green tea would allow you to fight off the inflammatory effects of exercise without blunting, for example, satellite cell proliferation or building of new mitochondria or all of the things that you want to happen That's in response so to only a workout. Green tea. And the other one was, uh, and this is this is a new thing. Like not a lot of people are talking about this now, but it's like hydrogen-rich compounds. Like they call it hydrogen-rich water. And there's these companies now. There's like four or five of them. They sell like these tablets that you can dissolve in water. And there's a uh, the Molecular Hydrogen Foundation. They do research on on this hydrogen, and they're not they don't have a financial affiliation with any of these companies. So I, I respect some of the research that they do, and they've found that it actually blunts the, or or it allows for anti-inflammatory and antioxidant effects to shut down like the inflammatory response to exercise without blunting the hormetic response. So it'd be like green tea and molecular hydrogen would be the two things that I know of that you could do post workout to blunt that inflammatory response without actually um, blunting the hormetic response to exercise. So it'll so. enhance without d diminishing. Right, exactly, exactly. Have your cake and eat it too. One of the things that I think that's probably really good about cold immersion therapy also, I think there's a meditative aspect of getting into that incredible cold and just yeah. relaxing and calming, and I think it does something for your mind. It does, and, and it's the nervous system, right? Like yeah. what I tell people is you have a strong, and I, I take my kids out there, right, and I've trained them since a very early age. They go out there, they jump in the cold pool, but they'll stand in front of the cold pool and calm their nervous system, calm their heart rate. I'll have them, like one of them visualizes a sea otter, right, and the other one does a polar bear. So, that, so they'll <laughs> visualize these animals that are just like impervious to cold, right? right? And then they get in the water, and they know there's no sharp intake of breath. There's no... <gasps> Like like people do when they right. take a cold shower a lot of the time. If you can get your body to that point, I think that it probably has a pretty – it's a good indicator that you're building that nervous system resilience, mm. right? Like if you can just get in cold and not freak out. Right. So that's what I think people who do cold should train themselves to be able to do. I've heard that argument and, about the sauna as well, that, it's, mm -hmm. that it, it also builds like a mental toughness mm -hmm. to be able to just sit in there right. and calm yourself and get used to the adverse – get to the point yeah. where you want to bang down the door yeah. and climb yeah. out and yeah that's what i like calm. to get myself to in the song because obviously you get a, a bigger expression of heat shock protein and more yeah. blood flow when you get really hot but yeah there, there's a mental effect too same thing with the water i was talking about that book mm -hmm. but the the book deep and how i got into like free diving right. and spear fishing now, how deep are you which going? i think you would love i would as, love as a bow hunter sure. dude yeah. you would you would, i i told you i'm gonna go hunt well aubrey uh, was telling me that's like hunting underwater yeah, yeah. um uh Actually, yeah, Aubrey and I, Aubrey and I spearfished in uh, in Kona uh, last year. Uh, he and Whitney and I went down there, and we, we were just using like the little three prong guns. It wasn't mm -hmm. full on like eighty feet deep, you know, big ass guns after what tuna. Of, well, but, after tuna, 
Jesus oh, Christ. Pe- people go out there like deep. I've, I've never done deep. Like, I'm not good not enough. I want like, to be um, underwater I, attached to a tuna. <laughs> I, well, what you do is you have a reel, and the right. reel is attached to a float. Right. And so after you shoot and you spear a big fish like a tuna, it's not dragging you. It's dragging the float. Oh, I so see. So all you have to do is wait for that float to pop back up wherever it's going to pop up. And oh. that's how – but I haven't done that. But that's like on my bucket list big time i'm going back like to kona big tuna. i'm going back to kona in april and that's going to be more shallow water spear fishing and we're going to hunt for uh, scrub cattle sheep goat you know the pig there's a made they have scrub cattle in kona yeah and the pig feed on like macadamia nuts and avocado and explain to people what scrub cattle is i don't know what scrub cattle is but apparently it tastes amazing what scrub bulls are they're essentially domestic cattle that have gone feral so some time in the past, whether it's 10, 20 generations back, whatever it was, they busted through some fences, and now they're wild. Mm-hmm. And uh, in Australia, they hunt them, and they, they're very dangerous. Apparently, they are the most aggressive bulls. Bring it on. I can't wait. You've got to be real it's, careful. It's, yeah. One of Adam Greentree's yeah. buddies got gored real bad, and he had to uh, be uh, medevaced out of there. He was in the, the northern country. Yeah, I'm just going to play a shitload of techno hunt. I'll be, <laughs> I'll be ready. <laughs> so, ready. Uh, so, so the book, I, I read this book by James Nestor, and it, and I had him on my podcast. I'm like, dude, I want to learn how to do this. I want I want to learn how to like compress the spleen and, and go right. under and learn how to hold my breath and get all these nervous you system benefits. learn how benefits. to compress the spleen? The spleen just gets compressed I want to learn how to get deep enough because right. I couldn't even as an Ironman triathlete, I couldn't go deeper than 15 feet without freaking out because, like, my my ears would get the pressure in them, and I could do the what do you call it? The um, when you equalize, mm-hmm. not the frenzel technique, but the it's the uh, you know when you when you go yeah, yeah. I'm forgetting the name the of pop it. Pop your ears, yeah, right. the pop your ears technique that most people do when they get into the water. But there's another technique called the frenzel technique where you'll you'll pull the it's like. Mm. And you, so you're doing you, it. You in... see, like your nose go. Mm. See how my nose goes out like uh-huh. that. Mm-hmm. If you do that, you can equalize it like 20 feet, 30 feet, 40 feet. So I said, "Who who can I go learn from?" He's like, "You got to go see this cat down in Fort Lauderdale named Ted Hardy." Of course, Florida. You got to go back to Florida. Everything. <laughs> absolutely. Spleens. Dick shocks. <laughs> do the stem cells. Go learn how to do the spleen thing. So I go to. Fortunately, my grandmother lives in Florida, so I. I, I have a place to stay when I go there. So there's that, at least. Uh, and I take this freediving course, and he gets me from holding my breath for about a minute and 45 seconds. He got me up to 4.45. Four minutes and 45 hold. seconds. Took me from 15 feet over five days down to 80 feet, where you're like, tra- you, you actually, they put a rope in the water, and you go vertical, and you have like your, bi- you know, the big fins? Like you have the big fins, and you have the How mask. Long are those? The, I've seen those on people, but uh, they're they're like half as long as that flag. What's that like? Wow. Like three or four feet? But they're like, yeah, they're like these big carbon fins. And I said, dude, just tell me all the best things to buy. And I contacted the editor of. They're carbon, so they're stiff. And they're carbon. They're stiff, and you just swim so fast in them. And I, I contacted the editor of Spearing Magazine and asked him, you know, what's the best gun to buy? What are the best fins? What? So I I got outfitted with all this stuff, and then I went down there, learned how to hold my breath. Learn how to equalize, and now when I spearfish, and I still, again, I haven't got to the point where I've gone. Like I go after the grouper and the parrotfish, and like the the little ones. I haven't gotten mm-hmm. to the point now where I'm hunting the big fish. Groupers can get pretty fucking big. Very similar to to. I know the very first time I went after my, I, I got two at once, two groupers at once, and apparently it wasn't grouper season, so they had me put them put them back. Yeah, it's, it's it's not as big of a deal as like if you shoot an elk and a, you know a tag. I mean, like, oh. but but yeah, they have a grouper I, season. I mean, not put them back. I didn't like take them down to their little grouper nest and 
Well, they're dead. Away, but so they're just dead. So you, leave you can't, them alone. Yeah, you just can't leave, keep them. Yeah, you just leave them. That seems yeah, ridiculous. Well, I mean, if, they just didn't want to get fined. Yeah, they didn't want to get in trouble. Right. right. So, so Some anyways, though, spearfishing, amazing, and this whole like free diving. You know, we we got on this topic from the float tanks. Similar experience. Like you're just at peace under the water. You're not wearing all the scuba equipment, so fish swim up to you, and you can kind of like lay on the bottom of the water and you know, shoot something as it comes. And I go with my kids and they like sit on the shore with like buckets and, and knives and, you know, they'll help, help brain the fish. And then we take it back and you have like fish cook offs. And oh, it's, wow. it's amazing. It's very similar to, very similar feel to bow hunting, except it's like that peaceful setting in the water. It's probably it's intensely physical too, yeah. right? I well, mean, it's a great it's, workout because yeah. you're not only are you cold, so you're getting all the benefits of cold thermogenesis, you know, like the white adipose to brown fat conversion and the, and the shivering and the, and the calorie burning and, you know, the angiogenesis and all the stuff you get from cold, but then you're also, you're freaking hunting, right? right. You're not sitting on, on the edge, like with a, with a fishing pole over a boat, which I find intensely boring. You're actually in there. And you're doing it all while you're holding your breath. Fish, doing so it all this... while you're holding your breath, no scuba equipment. And people will do like, like I do breath hold walks. All right, well, I'll go on a walk. And every time I pass a telephone pole, I'll just like take a breath and I'll hold my breath as long as possible when I pass the tel- when I pass the telephone pole, and then I'll breathe through my nose to recover. And then when I get to the next telephone pole, I'll hold my breath. I'm probably gonna die someday, like pass <laughs> out next to a bus stop, like <laughs> by a car, <laughs> blue in the face. But yeah, spearfish, like you'd like it. I'm I sure I would. I think you'd dig it. Yeah, yeah it seems but, like an interesting mental exercise too, because is. you have to keep your shit together while you're right. in the water and you want to take a breath. You but. do, and people die. People do shallow water blackout, and this is what I learned. That's why I this guy sent me down to Fort Lauderdale because this guy he teaches safety. Right, you don't do like the Wim Hof breathing and blow off all the carbon dioxide so you can hold your breath longer, mm-hmm. which is great for holding your breath longer. But carbon dioxide is your body's signal to take a breath. Right. So if you breathe all your carbon dioxide, then you're you're so you, you, you can have pass to have out. You can shallow water blackout. Techniques. So, so for example, you're floating on the water before you're going to take a dive down. So you're kind of like watching the water. You're watching the fish, and you might do like a two count breath in, one, two, two count hold, and then ten count breath out, two count hold, and you're just like getting the heart rate down. You're getting the nervous system calm. You're not even supposed to do like a lot of caffeine, which jacks up the, the sure. nervous system and causes you to not be able to hold your breath as long. Dairy makes the mucus more thick, and mm-hmm. so you, you can't hold your breath as long if you do a lot of dairy. So you don't do a lot of dairy, you don't do a lot of caffeine, and then you just dive down. And I did, uh, I brought ketones down because a lot of like uh, Dominique Diagostino has, has, you know, he's done research on like uh, divers and reducing a lot of the effects of like reduced, uh, reduced flow of oxygen to the brain that apparently these, these Navy SEAL divers get. And he does research on, on the use of ketosis and ketones. And one of the days that we were out there, I actually took ketones and they increased my breath hold time just using like these, these exogenous ketones. Really? So apparently they have an effect as well. I don't know if it's because the brain is using more, more of the ketones and the glucose, but they increased breath hold time that yeah they they came up with that for rebreathers right like that's when they started uh, getting people yeah. yeah navy seal divers when they're using rebreathers apparently mm-hmm. a certain percentage of them are susceptible to seizures yeah, yeah. and the, and they use uh you know well two things you know ketosis and and cbd are two things that are used for the for like epilepsy and mm-hmm. seizures yeah. yeah yeah ketosis yeah. supposedly has an amazing effect with kids kids that I did, have uh, uh, seizures i did 12 months of like strict ketosis really uh, for How'd a study, like for a lab study in Florida. No, I'm just kidding. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> at a, uh, University of Connecticut, this guy named um, 
uh, Jeff Volek. Uh, he does a lot of like ketone research, and he had one group of athletes follow just a normal endurance athlete diet for 12 months, and another group follow like a high fat, low carb, ketogenic diet for 12 months because he wanted to see if you would maintain your glycogen levels and if you would uh, if your performance would be synonymous to the group that did not eat the high fat, low carb diet. Mm. What would happen to inflammatory markers? What would happen to the gut microbiome? So, but he wanted like a lot of these studies on high fat, low carb diets, they'll follow people for like two weeks or three days and have them eat like high fat, low carb, and then see what happens when they go jam on a bike for 30 minutes or exercise. But they want to do like a long-term study to see if the body can adapt to burning fats as a fuel with long-term utilization of a high fat diet, hmm. which I don't do anymore, by the way. I, 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 like, I save all my carbohydrates for the evening. Then I eat a bunch of carbohydrates in the evening. Like what kind of, what kind of carbs do you eat? Oh, like uh, red wine, dark chocolate, tubers, mm -hmm. starches, yams, sweet potatoes. You know, my, my wife's a cook, so she does like this amazing like slow fermented sourdough bread, which like pre-digests all the gluten and yeah. lowers the glycemic index. And it's a, like pretty much you know, quinoa, amaranth, milk. I don't follow a specific diet in terms of like restricting certain food groups. Mm -hmm. My philosophy is you just make them digestible. Right? Yeah, so I've they read say that like, about uh, eating carbs at night, that it's a, yeah. a good thing to relax you as well. Well, technically... You're more insulin sensitive in the morning, but you can make yourself more insulin sensitive in the evening. And the advantage of that is if you consume a bunch of your carbohydrates in the morning when you're in an insulin sensitive state, what are you going to rely upon as your primary fuel during the rest of the day? carbohydrates right instead of teaching your body how to be a fat burning machine and tap mm -hmm. into fats and generate ketones so you save your carbohydrate intake for the end of the day but i also save my hard workout for the end of the day which is when your body temperature peaks and your grip strength peaks and uh you 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 can do a hard workout anybody who rolls out of bed and tries to do a crossfit wad versus doing it you know 5 p.m in the afternoon knows this like you can do a pretty good hard workout like in the later afternoon of the evening when you're warmed up but that also upregulates insulin sensitivity and the activity of these glut 4 transporters that can you know shove glucose into muscle tissue for example and so then you can have your cake and eat it too right you you create your own insulin sensitive state and then you go off, and, and typically I'll finish that workout around like 6, 6.30, right? And like I mentioned, I don't eat dinner for a couple of hours after the workouts. Like 8, 8.30, we sit down to a family dinner, and I'll just eat as many carbohydrates as I want because I'm in an insulin-sensitive state by the next morning. And I tested this for a while. I did like the blood ketone and the breath ketone testing. I'm back in a fat-burning state by the next morning. But That's I'm interesting, also, even I've, with the bread. I've also replenished my glycogen stores in my liver and my muscle to be able to do the next day's hard workout, right? So I right. like this strategy for athletes because they can get all the benefits of a fat-burning state, the reduced free radical production from excess glucose intake, the reduced you know, glycemic variability, which is honestly a, it's, a, it's a pretty big marker for, in my opinion, like, like your risk factor for a host of chronic diseases, like spiking your blood glucose multiple times during the day. Mm. So instead, you just don't eat carbohydrates all day, do a hard workout at the end of the day, and then have your carbohydrates to replenish all your energy levels. Levels, then you go into the next day. And then, what's so, your primary food source during the day? Like, what do you do? You have like standard you, foods um, that you. I do. We we have a lot of like really good wild plants that grow up in the on our land. So I have ten acres up there in Washington State, and we've got like wild nettle and mint and plantain and Oregon grape root and comfrey and all these amazing plants. So 
we also have eight raised garden beds where we grow kale and bok choy and you know Swiss chard. And so, do you raise them so that they don't they're, they're not as susceptible to ground frost? Or like well, when when you raise a garden bed, you can just add whatever type of soil that you want to oh, it versus digging down. Because my wife does a lot of composting. So we have mm-hmm. chickens and goats, so she uses a lot of the a lot of the dung from the chickens and the goats and the leftover food from inside and does composting. And so we use a lot of this in the raised garden beds. I, mm. I started gardening this year indoors. I'm growing something called splilanthes, which I can tell you about later. It's amazing. Mm. I found it in Kauai. But the um, the uh, what I do during the day is eat a lot of wild plants, right? So so I'll come in when I'm coming in from like that cold pool in the morning. I'll like gather some plants and I throw those in a blender with like some some fats like coconut milk or coconut oil. Uh, I'll do like some bone broth and some lemon because when you mix vitamin C with collagen, you make the collagen a lot more absorbable. So I'll mix the vitamin C with bone broth. I'll put that into the blender. A whole bunch of superfoods. I'll blend it for like two minutes. Because if you blend it for a long time, it gets like a texture like a Wendy's Frosty. So it's like, and you can like eat it with, with you know, one of those long, you, you've had a Wendy's Frosty sure. before, right? You yeah. Look, you look confused. No, no, no. When I said I'm Wendy's like, Frosty, I'm like, it's strange that it what kind of blend. horrible life <laughs> have you led? What did your parents do to you? You never had a Wendy's Frosty. <laughs> so, so it gets like this Wendy's Frosty like consistency. It's just a bunch of wild plants and fats. And I put like that stevia in there. I put a little bit of cacao in there. Uh, sometimes I'll do like a little bit of whey protein, like a good like grass fed whey or some kind of protein source. And then I put like a, uh, crunchy things in so I, I put it all in a bowl with a spatula crunchy yeah like coconut flakes and uh-huh. cacao nibs and uh, like I use like these little spirulina and chlorella tablets and so it's like eating a it's like when you go to a yogurt store and you get the yogurt and you get the toppings on top of it mm-hmm. but it's like this amazing ketogenic superfood rich meal and by blending it all together and blending the fats with all the all the ingredients you're actually enhancing the absorption wow. and so so that's what i have for breakfast dude you should open a cafe it's that amazing. sounds good i'm I trying order one right now. I, I, well i'm trying to like <laughs> i'm trying to make it into like a uh, like a drinkable a drinkable form Something that, this is the same that thing form. that um yeah I'm, I'm going over to see uh uh rick rubin after this over in malibu and he does the same thing for breakfast and that's actually really? one of the things we're talking about over there Did how, you teach him how, how we this? can make this no so random like we, we we go sauna together over there in malibu and we were uh we both do the same thing like his is his his is a little bit different like he put some different things in it the same thing and it, it's an amazing breakfast because you can sit there and like i do a lot of dictation on my computer so i'll sit there and i'll dictate emails and di- but while i'm eating my my smoothie with a spoon wow it's amazing and then i do a salad for breakfast or, or for lunch a big ass salad again whole bunch of wild plants and i'll put like sardines seeds nuts you know just just good good fats on there mm-hmm. And uh, then I have like these nori wraps, right? Which is like a seaweed wrap, really good in iodine, really nutrient dense. And then I use miracle noodles. Have you had miracle noodles before? So they're made out of Japanese yam. They call them shirataki noodles. My kids make pad thai out of this. They they have like a cooking podcast where they do all these crazy, crazy meals. And one of the things they use a lot of are these shirataki noodles. So I make these Japanese yam noodles. I put them on top of the salad. And then I roll all that up in like a nori burrito wrap, and I eat that like a burrito wow. for lunch. And then dinner, like I mentioned, is just, you know, what, whatever my wife happens. Because dinner is, is like my free meal, right? It's just whatever I want to have. But for this study, for, for Jeff Volick's lab, it's 12 months, strict ketosis. And they brought us into the lab. Uh, and me and the, and the group of ketogenic athletes and also the whole group of, of endurance athletes following a traditional carbohydrate-rich diet. 
uh, do a VO2 max test the night that we got there. And then the next morning, they punched a bunch of holes in our thighs with needles and did a, a biopsy of the muscle to see how much glycogen was in the muscle. And then with these big holes in our, in our muscles, we had to go run on a treadmill for three hours. So I ran 22 miles. On so this when you're treadmill. saying punch a hole, like like a like they wanted a, to see how much they wanted to see how much glycogen. So they pull you know, it's out like tissue? a muscle biopsy. It's like a little guillotine, but it's a big okay. needle. You get hard, yeah. especially when you go pound on the treadmill yeah. after you've had these these needle biopsies in your thighs. And then they did fat biopsy because they wanted to look at fat content up on either side of the hips. And then I ran for three hours on this treadmill, and it was horrible. There was like no TV. There's no no it was, like a, it was a white wall on the treadmill, but they and and I was hooked up to like a uh, you know like like a, uh, a blood collection device because they wanted to see what was happening with the blood. Walkman. What am I in the nineties? Yeah, I had a Walkman and uh, I had my aerob- <laughs> I had my, my, mouth? my aerobic socks on, <laughs> like Jane mm-hmm. Fonda mm-hmm. back in the day. Exactly. Yeah, and my running. Sing- so you just my running, running for three hours so staring at the wall. Yeah, I just run for three hours. That's got to be the worst part of it. It's horrible. Yeah, I didn't know going in. I walked in the room and I'm like, oh shit, because I would have brought you know like yeah d- something to. Yeah. to watch but i ran and they were testing fat oxidation rates at rest and at exercise so i'm wearing this this mask it's it, it does what's called indirect calorimetry where based on the carbon dioxide that you breathe out and the oxygen that you consume it approximates your carbohydrate and your fat burning rate it's kind of like the gold standard of, of metabolic testing in laboratory testing t- situations like in an exercise physiology lab oh. and so you're you're testing how much fat you're burning during exercise how much carbohydrate you're burning during exercise something called your your respiratory exchange ratio is what it's called and the prevailing uh, research in the literature suggests that you can burn about 1.0 grams of fat per minute during exercise. Like that would be about how much fat you would burn, 1.0 grams of fat per minute. When they tested, this is called the FASTER study, F-A-S-T-E-R. They found that the folks who followed a high-fat diet, like me and, and these other people who are eating high-fat diet, we were burning 1.5 to 1.7 grams of fat per minute during exercise, during this three-hour treadmill run. We had no deficit in performance. Our VO2 maxes were just as high, and we we maintained our levels of muscle glycogen. And so basically, there there was no. We didn't go any faster. Right? I'm not saying like like a ketogenic diet is going to make you better at endurance sports because I've never seen any evidence that that's going to happen. But we did go just as fast, and we actually burnt. We turned our bodies into fat burning machines over the course of 12 months. It was actually a really cool study. So the benefits would not be necessarily performance, but the benefits are more health. Benefits would be yeah, it's it's like you know a lot of people like they get gut rot and fermentation Mm -hmm. from eating a lot of fermentable carbohydrates. Some people get small intestine bacterial overgrowth. Um, Some people get blood glucose fluctuations. Uh, You see a you see a drop in what's called the first phase insulin response. Like normally, you're supposed to produce a lot of insulin when you eat a meal, or at least enough to be able to shove that substrate into storage tissue and normally you'd be able to produce this and by getting a lot of glycemic variability during the day you eventually produce insulin insensitivity right like you don't have that normal first phase insulin response and you can you can restore you can use things like bitters and chew your food a lot and you know strength train before you eat a carbohydrate rich meal you know things like that but ultimately uh yeah, it's more of like a health and longevity thing. It's not like a like right. eating low carbohydrate makes you faster. It's just that you avoid a lot of the potential issues, the potential health issues that would come with a large amount of glucose fluctuations. But there's exceptions to that rule, right? Like you could go get your genetics tested and you might find out you have, let's say, familial hypercholesteremia. 
in which case, if you eat like a ketotic diet, you'll produce a lot of like oxidized, and you'll see people with cholesterol like 400, 500, and really high LP little a, and, and all these issues with a high amount of fat consumption because their bodies are unable to deal with that amount of cholesterol. Um, that's a big point. That's a big point. Yeah, like and we really can't stress that enough is that human beings vary so widely. A huge, yeah. huge amount. Like, there's, uh, a, there's a great book that Brian Callen turned me on to that I'm reading right now called Sapiens. So yeah. the, the the origins of, of, of human beings, it's completely fascinating. It's it's crazy. There's another book called Biochemical Individuality. It's like an old book, but I was looking through it. It's fascinating. Like, like there's like 12 different shapes of the stomach mm. and like seven different ways that the heart is shaped. And yeah. certain people will excrete copious amounts of vitamin D and need a lot more vitamin D intake. And other people develop vitamin D toxicity in response to like the 2,000 or 4,000 international units that a lot of people are popping these days. Certain people develop high cholesterol and high triglycerides and high inflammation in response to a, to a ketogenic diet and some people don't and so like we live in an era where it's like it's cheap to get your genes tested and it's only going to get cheaper well right? it's also there's you would have to really find a good expert that really understands what the difference in the genetic variabilities are yeah i mean like otherwise <laughs> you're just testing like you're trying a ketogenic diet testing out your blood work and trying to figure it out it's, you, it's very complicated to the for the layperson it is but i mean like in very simplistic terms i've told some people this right you could at least test your genetics and there's actually right. a really good book about this called uh um the jungle effect by dr daphne miller and she goes into how like she'll put like her her hispanic clients on like a traditional mexican diet comprised of like you know uh soaked and sprouted legumes and low glycemic index you know tortillas and non-gmo corn and take them back to what their ancestors would have eaten like she'll literally take like what the taramahara indian tribe is eating in south america and put her hispanic clients on that or mm. she'll put like her african-american clients on a fiber-rich fermented like cambodian diet Right. And, and you could easily do like, it's not rocket science, right? You go get your genetics tested, you see where your ancestors came from and you try to approximate right. what, and obviously we're a genetic melting pot in America. And there's going to be some people who are just like, oh crap, I came from, I come from Japan and Europe and Ethiopia. You know, like there's some people who, who come from all over the place, in which case you would have to take a deeper dive, right? You can get blood work. You can get, what I tell people is get your genes tested, get like a comprehensive blood analysis get your gut tested, right? So you could look at your bacterial balance, presence of parasites, yeast, fungus, all those kind of little things that that affect gut health and personality and everything else that the microbiome affects. Uh, and then like a like a urine test for hormones, which is more accurate than a blood test. And, that, and that's a lot of testing. But I mean, if you really, really, truly want to dial things in, it's genetic testing, it's blood testing, urinary testing for hormones. There's a test called uh, the, the Dutch test. It tests like your testosterone all throughout the day, the metabolites of testosterone, your cortisol all throughout the day, the metabolites of cortisol. So you could actually see like, you know, do I really have high cortisol or am I just not breaking it down quickly enough, for example? I just wish there was a place you could go that was very comprehensive that the average person could go to where they could do all this stuff for you and break it down for you there, it seems like there's more and more of a market of that cost ten thousand dollars it's the human actually there is a place like it's like the human 
there's you know some of these guys who are like trying to live forever like uh uh i think one of them is is peter diamandis uh craig venter i think is another guy where are these like the human human longevity institute i think it's called yeah like some of these some of these rich dudes right like like a lot of these billionaires they're they're going to these places and and getting like the comprehensive blood testing Mm. done i'd I do a lot of that myself just by ordering it, you know, from like direct labs or these. Well, you have a deep understanding and knowledge but of all this stuff. Yeah. It's different than the yeah, average plus person. Plus, I'm injecting stem cells into yeah. my into my. But I think arm. for the average person that's listening to this, it's a it's a little confusing and maybe a little frustrating because it would be nice if there was a place you could go that's like the dentist. Mm-hmm. You know, you go to the dentist. Hey, Bob, you've got a cavity, and you right. know, it's all. It, pretty straight exactly forward. and that that will there's companies working on that right yeah. now like like an actual dashboard where you get a home test kit done and and they're like there are actually like micro needles now that you can attach to the skin that you you patch it on yourself you send off a tiny tiny amount of blood and you get a host of blood values back and then you would be able to see like what you have deficits in and i could totally see them pairing that with like food delivery companies or like you know even just like yeah. printouts like here's your protein carb fat ratio right, right, so yeah right. it'll happen now it'll when happen. you were on the strict ketogenic diet for 12 months what was your diet like what did you basically eat no italian but, yeah, uh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> is that the first thing crazy. you ate when you got off just order uh, a pizza i don't and remember I don't, re- I don't remember what i ate. yeah it was like my bodybuilding days where like you go way in like in the morning right. before the show and then the rest of the day you eat like freaking ice cream and bread and you look like just like a an olympic god when you get up on stage because everything's popping right like all that glycogen gets restored after about eight hours uh, the, How does I that work? I don't remember my first meal was. It, well, you, when you don't eat many carbohydrates, you upregulate levels of something called glycogen synthase, which is an enzyme responsible for helping to get glycogen into muscle tissue. So this would be a process that you would so, do before a show? Glycogen depletion followed by glycogen restoration causes this uh. big surge in glycogen. Plus, going into a show, you're restricting carbohydrates anyways because it's hard to get very, very low body fat. Uh, that's why you see bodybuilders eating freaking like chicken and broth. Broccoli, right? right. So, um, the the same thing is something I did when I did triathlon, right? You'll like carbohydrate deplete the weekend before a race, and then I used to do this. You'd eat like no carbohydrates on Saturday and Sunday for a race that follows the next Sunday, and then Monday you'd start to eat more carbohydrates. Tuesday even more, and by like Saturday before the race, you're eating like ninety percent carbohydrate. This is what Whoa. I did before I kind of trained my body to do like you know ketosis and mm-hmm. function well on a low carb diet. But you're just, I mean, you're jacked up, chock full of glycogen because you upregulate that enzyme. It's its called, uh, what's it called? Carbohydrate, it's just basically carbohydrate depletion, carbohydrate loading. So Now, was there any benefit of that performance-wise versus what you're doing now? Mm, there's, there's not necessarily a benefit in that you... Uh, you go faster if you've trained your body how to operate well on a low carbohydrate diet i've never like i said seen any evidence that like a low carbohydrate ketogenic diet makes you go faster than if you're eating like a regular like carbohydrate rich diet but i also haven't seen that if you do like i did and follow it strict for a long time there's not a lot of evidence that makes you go slower either. Mm. So it's kind of like, it's like even so the before, Right. So it's just so a health longevity benefit. It's more of like, hey, if I can live a longer time and feel better and produce less reactive oxygen species by doing this versus the high carbohydrate intake, then 
why not do it? And I mean, when you look at like the Nike project and how they were trying to break the marathon record in yeah. Italy, it, they were using like these crazy engineered forms of carbohydrate where they went way above like these maltodextrin fructose blends that a lot of companies like you know, like Gatorade use. And they were using these super engineered carbs. And it's possible that some of these newer carbohydrates that are engineered for extremely high absorption could could beat out like if we were to study those in, in like a you know a high fat low carb athlete who'd followed that diet for a long period of time versus like a traditionally fueled athlete who was eating these newfangled engineered carbohydrates mm. it's possible the newfangled engineered carbohydrates could make you go faster but That's unless your paycheck is on the line and you're a pro i still say you know why, why not get that balance between health and longevity and speed my thyroid though did not like that high-fat ketogenic diet paired, like paired with uh, high levels of physical activity. My testosterone went down. Right? Like There were some issues. That's fascinating that because usually you hear the opposite. People with thyroid disease, they recommend mm. a ketogenic diet to those people. Yeah, but look at it this way, and I explain this to to a lot of athletes who I work with who want to do the ketogenic diet thing. You read a you know you read a book like uh, you know there's some fantastic ketogenic diets out there that are plant rich, which a lot of ketogenic diets aren't, right? Like you, there'll be like coconut oil and butter, and that actually creates a lot of gastric inflammation in the absence of of like you know high amount of polyphenols and flavonoids and high fiber and plant intake. Like you want both. I wrote right. an article about this called "The Dark Side of Coconut Oil." That gets into the fact that if you're going to do like a high fat, low carb, ketogenic type of diet, you would want to include a lot of plants. And like uh, uh, Dr. Terry Walls has a book called The Walls Protocol that's got a plant rich ketogenic version in it. Um, Stephen Gundry has his book The Plant Paradox, and he has like a he has like a ketogenic version in that book that's like very plant rich. So if if you're eating like a like a plant rich ketogenic diet and you're following what a lot of these people have written, you'd generally be advised to eat like 30 to 50 grams of carbohydrates per day, which is fine if you have thyroid disease or you have some other issue, you know, prediabetes, whatever, and you're trying to control it with a ketogenic diet. But then once you throw copious amounts of physical activity into the mix, right? You're a CrossFitter, you're an Ironman triathlete, and you go read the, one of these books and you read they're supposed to be 50 grams of carbohydrates. Well, you know, the authors of those books, to my knowledge, are not out racing. Ironman triathlons and you know doing marathons and right. and copious amounts of physical activity so you have to up the carbohydrate intake so it's all about you know, so for me personally I'll eat like 100 to 200 grams of carbohydrates and still maintain ketosis. carbohydrate feed at the end of the day I'll still maintain ketosis and so you you again you have your cake and eat it too that's a radical yeah. physical output though you're talking e about exactly right. so if you have like a thyroid issue and you're highly active and you want to follow a ketogenic diet then you need to include more carbohydrate than would be recommended in let's say like a more sedentary type of ketogenic right. diet well, that and makes also sense because you're always reading these diets based mm -hmm. on just the average person and the average person right. is just not going to put out that kind of value. you want to include a lot of the things that, that you tend to build up deficits in like you know potassium and magnesium are right. two biggies and you, you dump a lot of glycogen and glycogen stores a bunch of water and it stores a bunch of electrolytes so you have to figure out how to replace that and now people are using you know these these exogenous ketones yeah you know, like the ketone salts right or the ketone esters mm -hmm. and the danger with those is now you can like get into ketosis but still also have high blood glucose and that's something that we haven't really studied like that's not like our ancestors out hunting right for that like it's not like it's they were thing. in ketosis because right. they were burning a lot of their own body fat and generating ketones as a byproduct and they were they were in just like a natural state because they weren't eating a lot of food sometimes just you know not stuffing their face with carbohydrates and glucose but now people are able to eat a normal western diet and yeah. then like buy one of these ketone supplements and also be in ketosis so you're hyperglycemic and hyperketotic.
and I've rate like I did that before a race and I felt like I was on steroids. Like it was really? like rocket fuel because my blood glucose was jacked through the roof. But so I, I did a bunch of like fructose maltodextrin energy based gels. And then I drank a bottle of these ketone esters, which basically I mean, the, they have if you measure your ketones, you'll you'll know that this is high. But within 10 minutes, my values were above seven millimolar, which is just off the charts for ketones. But my blood glucose was also off the charts. And I felt like my cells had like both forms of fuel they'd ever need, both ketones and glucose. And I felt amazing, but I'll bet, I mean, that's similar like diabetic ketoacidosis. Like if you're in that state all the time and you're using all these ketone supplements and just eating your diet and using these because you're, quote, in ketosis, unquote, I, I don't think it's healthy. I wonder if it would be great, though, performance-wise, like for a fight it's or something amazing. like that. It's amazing. You yeah. feel unstoppable. I would think that. Yeah. I wonder if athletes uh, have tried that. And as long as you use that, it's like... Uh, it's like you use it as a, you know, it's like, I heard somebody say once, like sugar is a sometimes drug. Right. Right. Because it does, like you can feel and it can give you, especially if you're, if you're not fat adapted. I mean, carbohydrates give you a pretty big boost in performance and energy versus not having them on board when you're exercising and especially sure. when you're exercising hard. And this would be like that, right? Like if you were to use that as a sometimes drug mm. and be careful with it, um, I could see that being a, a huge, like huge what kind of a bump boost. were you getting? Like, um, I didn't quantify it. If you but try it, to guess, it was, 10, it was, in, it was, in, it was in a tough mutter in Vegas. And all I know is I felt way, way more dot like, like I had the cognitive high that you get from ketones, which was the original reason that I started doing Like I started doing this ketosis thing like seven years ago when I was getting ready to race Ironman Canada. And I wanted to see what it would feel like to have those readily available fuel sources for the liver and the diaphragm and the heart and kind of the focus that comes with high levels of ketones when you're on a bike for five hours. And I had that when I took these exogenous ketones, but then I also had all the energy that you get when you, you know, like after you've had like a, like a, a candy bar, right? So, mm. so yeah, your high blood sugar and, and high blood ketones. So you, so you just feel focused, but you also have high levels of energy. That sounds amazing. So, that's it scary. Sound, I hope it's good amazing. for you. I, just like the stem cells <laughs> in the dick, right? Like, I, it's amazing. I hope it's good. I hope I don't die. Yeah. yeah. That sounds yeah. like, though, if you were doing a big event, and if you didn't do it up to the, like, I, I like what you're doing is in terms of diet wise. It seems like it makes sense. We've got a really good balance. But for a big event, that sounds like it'd be a really good thing to do. Load right. up on carbohydrates. Load up on the ketone esters. Right. Exactly. That sounds, that sounds yeah, wild. Yeah, ketone esters. Ketone esters are expensive. Yeah. Like a lot of these ketone salts. Mm -hmm. sure. The thing I like about the ketone salts too is, you know, I haven't seen a lot of research that the ketone esters are necessarily that much better. And the ketone salts, you get electrolytes with them too. Right. And that's one of the things that you get depleted on them, like what, a ketogenic what, diet. Do you know what what brand you're using? For your uh, ketone supplements? Dude, I, I told you, I'm like, a, as a blogger, I get these packages sent to my house every right. day. It's like, you probably get the same thing. It's yeah. like cardboard boxes we full of boxes and, of shit. And like the occasional there. little paper bag of something yeah. that somebody made in their kitchen that they sent to you. That yeah, that's, that's, somebody <laughs> gave me, uh, somebody gave me when I was, this was, where was I? I think it was in Asheville, doing a race in Asheville. Of course, North Carolina. North that, Carolina. People don't know about Asheville. Freaking great food Asheville in Asheville. Asheville is a crazy little dude, spot. I, one of my clients took me to this place called Karate. It's like a charcuterie like a fine charcuterie restaurant amazing meat Asheville's amazing like, apparently like uh president president obama's like favorite restaurant was in Asheville, and he'd go there and and like you go up and down the street and just i went there during the yoga festival and there's like people sitting up in trees playing banjos and like <laughs> it's crazy it's amazing yoga i definitely want to go back there yeah. Uh, yeah the international yoga festival in 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 Asheville. but the um shout out to Asheville. yeah shout out to Asheville, baby hashtag Asheville. somebody gave me like wine that they infused with cannabis 
I get like this big of bottle of like cannabis infused wine, but it was in like one of those old school like kombucha bottles, like the uh, glass. And you're just like, I don't know where this has been sitting. I don't know what's in here. Nope. Um, it was a, a cool idea, but uh, no offense to whoever gave me that, but I didn't actually <laughs> consume that. But the uh, the ketone salts and the ketone esters, um, honestly, dude, I've tried like all of them. Uh, you know. Ketogenics and uh, keto. I forget. All, they're all keto something. Keto My friend prime, Duncan and, went to school in Asheville, yeah. and uh, he said that they started giving the cows a certain diet to uh, kill the psilocybin mushrooms that grow in their shit because too many kids were uh, climbing fences and, really? and and plucking mushrooms out of the cow shit. You ever do that? You ever <laughs> you ever do like the psilocybin microdosing thing that people are doing for for cognition? I have psilocybin microdosed. I've taken yeah. and it gives you a nice feeling. I like it. Yeah. It gives you I have a friend who is a world champion kickboxer who microdoses every day and he says it makes him almost telepathic. Yeah. He says a... it makes his his response time to sparring. He said he mm -hmm. sees things before they happen. Your sensory perception improves, yeah. especially in nature settings. Mm -hmm. Right? Like there's this there's like the synthetic chemical chemical LSD or PLSD is like the one a lot of people are using now cuz you get it for a lot less expensive and it, it has the the same effect as as LSD. It's just it's it's a lot cheaper. You, know, you get both and you know like these websites where you use cryptocurrency to to purchase the compound. But it's the FBI sending uh, it to you. Yeah, uh, exactly. Dun, they, dun, dun. Yeah. <laughs> dun 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 dun. You uh it's very synthetic and there's like a merging of the left and right hemispheres of the brain and you get very creative and focused simultaneously. What doses are you? Uh... Uh, for LSD, you you want to volumetrically dose, which means like if you get a blotter of LSD, it's like 100 micrograms on like a square and a lot of people cut that into like 10 pieces. So that one piece would be 10 micrograms, but mm. you don't know if that piece has like 20 or 5 on it. Right. right. So you take 100 a uh, hundred microgram tab and you put that in like a little like a like a glass dropper bottle and then you would add like 10 milliliters of Everclear or vodka or some kind of alcohol to it and then you know that for every one milliliter of alcohol in that little dropper bottle that you consume you're getting exactly 10 micrograms of LSD and about 10 to 20 micrograms like one to two dropper bottles full that would be considered a microdose for most people mm. But you don't, like, returning to psilocybin, psilocybin produces, like, this sensory perception, very natural feeling uh, improvement in your in your cognition and in, in your senses. That, that it just feels more natural, right? It's like you, you would take it before you go on a, on a hike or yeah. you would take it when you're in, like, a very, very natural, like a, like a nature setting. Like, you know, for, for something like... Uh, you know, day at the office. Like, it seems like LSD is, like, a more natural choice. But psilocybin is really interesting for, like, you know, nature-based well, setting, yeah. hiking. Well, the thing about it is you feel like you, you're you getting readings from trees and plants. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You, you get a weird feeling from them yeah. that you don't normally get. Like, oh, right. now I'm tuned into whatever frequency you guys are operating on. Yeah. And they, they feel alive. Yeah. Whereas trees just feel like trees normally. I walk by, mm -hmm. like, they look beautiful, and but I don't feel them. Right. In the same sense. Right. Exactly. And and I mean you don't wanna you don't wanna make yourself dependent on finding a tree beautiful by whether or not you have psilocybin. It's not even a beautiful your, thing. Bloodstream. It's like it's communicating but, with yeah. you. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like yeah, you, exactly. you feel like they're giving you information. You save it for those settings when you want nature to be really special. Yeah. Because my wife gives me a hard time sometimes. She's like, you know, why do you gotta take psilocybin before you gotta go on a hike? Like why don't you just go on a hike? Mm, and I you tell her, you know, you sometimes can. it's sure. more interesting. Sometimes you see things yeah. you wouldn't normally otherwise see.
So, but it's, it, you know, I, I go to bed and I've got like my binaural beats and my sleep mask. And, you know, I've got like that little grounding earthing device under my body and my chili pad and, uh, you know, blue light blocking glasses. And, and you know, I, I get in bed with all these wires sticking up out of my head. And my wife just gets in bed and just like sleeps. She's got, well, she's got so, nothing on her side. Of, so we're very yin and yang. Yeah, well, you're so involved. Yeah. Like everything you're yeah. doing, you're very involved. Yeah. Do, do, does it ever feel overwhelming that you have all this stuff? I mean, obviously it's what you no, do. No, because you, you systematize it, right? Like when I walk into my office, it's not like I'm spending 20 minutes like turning on the turning on the juve light and putting on the essential oil diffuser and um uh you know i've got like uh this this device that creates like special water that you breathe well you know humidifies the water that you breathe uh, while you're working and i've got like you know blue light generating devices on the ceiling and all this stuff in my office but when i walk in there it's just like click 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 and i go to work mm. right it, with the thing on my head or whatever so it's once you systematize it it's not exhausting. It's not like you're doing a lot to actually improve your body or, you know, let's say biohack your body while you're while you're at work. A lot of stuff just becomes systematized, right? It's like putting on your pants in the morning. That biohack word it. is about done. I'm about done with that word. The biohack word. It gets, it's so yeah. beaten up, yeah. that word. Now, what I would consider to be biohacking is, you know, these dudes that, that like, inject chlorella into their eyes so that they could get night vision. You, you should pull that out, or or like uh, Kev, Kevin Warwick, like he was like the original cyborg guy who got like a chip implanted underneath yeah. his skin, or the people who will inject like magnets in their fingertips to be able to interact with devices. So they would use the human body as what they call wetware, and then install mm -hmm. hardware. And like to me, that's a true biohacker. For me to blend like curcumin with olive oil and bone broth and vitamin C in my smoothie, that's not like a biohack. That's just like Health. just like making a meal, right? Like it's, it's like yeah. cooking. Yeah. But so it's I, that I think term it's overused. Is, yeah. it's very, I think there are very like trendy. true biohackers out there who have oh, actually yeah. hacked their biology. But well, injecting chlorella into your eyes yeah. seems yeah. super risky. Actually, you know what? I think it's chlorophyll, which okay. is the which is the green active component that you would find in something like chlorella. But his eyes are all black. It's really oh, weird. God. You should pull it up, Jamie. They're like stuck the dude black who injected forever? I'm assuming. Oh, I mean, I don't Christ. think you could suck the chlorophyll back out, but oh, he has so night that's... vision now. What? Or the guy who is Goatman, uh, did you hear about Goatman? No, hold on. Let's one one step at a time. You're almost manic. <laughs> You're just like, I got another one. I got another one. Hold on. So this guy has permanent black in his eyes, and he can see like sort of like a deer, like nocturnal. Oh, that guy. Christ. Yeah, this, that's him. Jesus, that's our, motherfucker. That's our, Making see, science more that, available to the public have been testing a concoction mm -hmm. of chemicals that allows humans to see in the dark, and it works. That's a true biohack. Like, that's a correct use that's of the term biohacking, in my fuck. opinion. This guy's yeah. out of his mind. some other people. And you can get like a, what's this on, Nerdist? Yeah, Nerdist.com. Oh there he God. goes. Yeah. Straight into the, I, I'm not going to do that. I, I will stop at the stem cells into my dick. I'm not going to wow. do the things. The speculum holding my eyes open was by far the worst part. <laughs> Even the effects themselves <laughs> were very subtle. It wasn't like, oh, my God, I have predator vision. Nothing like that. You don't get superpowers. This is a tweak, not an overhaul. It's kind of disappointing that you go through all that for just the tweak. Yeah, well, your whole fucking eyes are I want, black. If like I'm going to do that shit, I want predator vision. Yeah, like, I, I want the full meal deal. I want to be able to hunt animals in the darkness. This guy's got the hamster eyes. The chemical works by binding to opsin proteins in your retina, where it's excited by light. Transformational process to occur in the protein segment. See? There you go. Huh. Yeah. 
So you could get the blue light blocking glasses or you could just inject everything into your eyes. Allowed him pick okay. to pick up figures in the dark with 100% accuracy where non-treated test subjects could only make out to about 30%. That's pretty significant. Well, that would be really good and for I like, bow hunters. And I like how the author doesn't know which percentage sign to use, the actual percentage sign or the word percent. Right. He yeah. mixes so it they up. they got to work on their, on their editing. Yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> You're a writer. Yeah, I know. <laughs> We're talking 50 meters. Go back to that, Jamie. We're talking 50 meters over 160 feet apart. Oh, wow. That's hmm. actually really significant. The following uh, morning, his eyes returned to normal. Oh. All right. Where does it say that? Right there. His eyes returned to normal. No apparent side effects. Oh, wow. So he's okay. not like that forever. No, so they're not injecting. Okay. They're dropping. They're using drops. Yeah. So yeah. this would be like we're talking about bow hunting, about elk hunting, like, like when you're uh -huh. in sort of low light. Uh huh. Like that might be the move. You could pack your speculum yeah. into your, into your bow in case. Yep. Just drop them in there. Make sure that you have a hunting buddy who is well-versed in the addition yeah. of chlorophyll. Rubber gloves. Into a shit. speculum. Yeah, yeah, bring the rubber gloves. You've got all that stuff to field dress anyways and just go to town on your eyes. How did you uh, um, get into bow hunting? Uh, my buddy, uh, Kenton Claremont, up in Washington State, he was running these train to hunt competitions. Which are really bad. It's like yeah, obstacle course that, racing. It's, it's like awesome. obstacle course racing with a weapon. Yeah, it's a ton, of, and you could do it out here, and yeah. like because you have a, like you could carry sandbags and do like cones and suicide sprints and all sorts of stuff with this techno hunt setup that you have. But the train to hunt, like uh, the the first competition that I did, you, you show up and it starts off with like a four or five hour traditional 3D shoot. And for people who don't know what a 3D shoot is, it's a bunch of targets, you know, like Reinhardt targets or whatever that are set up well, in different, that. They, in different they look locations like through the woods. Yeah, they They're look rubber they, elk. They, like they look big... like animals. They're going to be a fox or an or an elk or yeah. you know whatever you know uh, uh, a bedded animal or a standing animal, and they're spread uh, throughout this course that you're walking. You can think of it almost like golfing, you know, for people who, who don't bow hunt. And you'll you know one shot might just be like a simple 25 yard shot at a fox, where if you get vitals you'll get five points and if you hit a body shot then it might be three points and if you miss it's zero and if you get like a wound it's actually a negative score right which it should be like it's like a because if you wound an animal that's that's really much much worse than missing an animal right so some of the shots are pretty complex it might be you got to get off two shots in 10 seconds which is actually kind of hard to do you know two shots in 10 seconds and one animal's at 20 and one animal's at 40 Right, which is why I use like a three pin side on my bow because you don't even have time to adjust the dial after you've taken one shot to right. the yardage for the second shot. Um, you might have a shot that's like run up this hill. There is a target up there. We won't tell you the distance, but you have 30 seconds to make it the 25 yards up that up that goalie. And then you're going to have a shot at the top and you got to run up the goalie sight and get your shot off in those 30 seconds. Right. So so it's not like a traditional 3D shoot. It's very active, you know, and some yeah. shots are are you draw lunging and then you stand and then you got to walk around the tree and then take your shot. So it's actually pretty fun. It's it's way different than just like standing out of the range shooting right. shooting at targets, and you get a certain score coming out of that, right? Like you might have amassed X number of points or or lost X number of points, and then you go into um, they actually they they this year they've kind of like changed it because a lot of people are like getting hurt and blowing out their knees with this next part, but you do what's called like a meat pack, which is a hundred pounds in your pack, and it's a two to four mile course that you got to boogie across as fast as possible. Yeah, people were running, right? And the problem with it was people like when you pack out, like you you're you taking your time, you're not running, yeah. you're not like racing your buddy, but 
this and it was like the most painful thing I've really ever done in terms of like how high my heart rate got and the amount of lactic acid like just try to go two miles as fast as you can with 100 pounds in your pack sounds very not dangerous. only you got to spend like I would spend copious amounts of time just like making sure the pack was adjusted properly and I'll put like the bubble wrap in the bottom of the pack so it moves the weight that you're using which are typically sandbags up to the center of the pack and uh, I worked with this company uh, called uh, Kifaru that makes like these yeah you know, I use their packs yeah yeah they, make a, they make a good Shout pack yeah Aaron, um, exactly. And, and, you know, he did some Skype sessions with me where he taught me exactly because you don't set it up the way that you would if you were just going to pack out an animal. You actually right. put it super duper tight up in the shoulder so it's not bouncing around. And then you put the weight down in the hips so it works for running two miles really hard. But it's super uncomfortable. It's mm. not biomechanically favorable. Right. It sucks. But, but, but it's good for it. running. Yeah. So they call that the meat pack right and, and you have to do it that way or is it just a matter of how much weight you have on your back like if you could you use one of those atlas packs have you seen those atlas things from outdoorsmen's it's essentially no. it's a pack frame with a, a traditional olympic mm -hmm. bolt on the end of it where you put the plates on it what are those things called mm. the, the, the end of a weight bar where the weight weight slide on them what, what would you call that the end of a weight bar where the yeah, weight like, slide you, you know, like, the, like the, the end of bar? a barbell yeah the end of a bar I don't know. Yeah, when the weight the slot, the yeah, the end of yeah. the bar. Well, they yeah. have one of those, a post. I guess a you cap. call it a post. Yeah, yeah. yeah they have one of those that's hanging out of the back. Let's see if you can find it. It's called the Atlas Trainer, Jamie. Outdoorsmans.com. Um, oh, and, and, it. and it's a pack. Yeah, it's a pack frame huh. with. Uh, I, I hike with it on. This is it. Show me a picture. It's pretty dope. Whoa. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Game okay. Yeah. Yeah. Outdoorsmans.com. I know what you're talking about. They're that's not a sponsor. Cool. But yeah, they're, that's uh, cool. Good people. Yeah, you, you could use whatever you want as long yep. as as long as you have weight in it. You just have right. to figure out how to because everybody has to use a standard weight, so you have to use the sandbag that they issue to you and oh, figure you out a way to, to strap it on. You have to use the same uh, object that oh. so everybody's using a okay. sandbag, just so you don't come in with your own right. You know, weight. But I was your, just saying, if you did that, your you'd rubber have a plate that you bought that you <laughs> that you painted a forty-five right. pound logo on. <laughs> um, anyways, though, so you do the meat pack and and you get a certain amount of time for that, and then you do the obstacle course, which is the real hoot, and which they still do, which is because. They got rid of the meat pack, but the obstacle course. They got is like rid your, of the meat pack. Yeah, it, it, it just well, it's not. It doesn't make sense, right? Like they designed this right. whole competition to simulate hunting, to prepare a hunter to hunt, and to train a hunter to hunt properly. And it just flew in the face of everything that is hunting, which is, you know, jacked up nervous system. You know, rushing through the woods with a giant pack, and you just you don't pack out an animal like that right and they'd have to figure out a way to put like a speed limiter on like oh hey you're not allowed to run oh that's stupid. so so yeah so how many guys got their it legs makes blown sense. Out? i don't know but people were getting hurt and it just didn't didn't make sense i yeah. jacked at my back and like it, it, it it's cool like i get it i kind of wish they still had it because i was good at that part because like i'm an endurance <laughs> athlete and i'm kind of strong right. so, for, right. so for me it worked out pretty well uh, and then they have the obstacle course, which is like crawling under barbed wire, stand, shoot. And then you're doing like, um, you know, like sandbag over the shoulder, 20 reps, shoot, 30 burpees. And, and for the obstacle course, you have a 50-pound pack or a 40-pound pack on your back. They kind of adjust the pack weight based off which division that you're in. But so you're using a wow. smaller pack. So I use the Kefaru pack. I think, again, they just had like a smaller pack. Mm -hmm. Same thing. You got a sandbag. But it's a lighter sandbag. So you're carrying that through the whole course, but you're stopping and shooting along the way. So it's like you're... You're learning how to just imagine if you if you're like rushing up a hill and you got to the top of the hill and you got to calm your heart rate, calm your nervous system very quickly and get your shot off. Mm. And granted, you're not necessarily going to be hauling a sandbag up that hill and doing a bunch of burpees, but it's kind of simulating that, right, that right. idea of shooting with your heart rate elevated. Um, and it, and it's a it's a hard course. I mean, like there are you know, like 
legitimate, you know, hardcore CrossFitters and, and athletes that do this, but it's a combination of being able to shoot well and being able to to fitness. Well, and, that's the um, interesting thing about bow hunting is that bow hunting really does require fitness. Well, when I did that high country, yeah, elk, I was I was wearing this uh, this this ring we were talking about when I did mm. that hunt in Hawaii, and I did like forty six miles over the course of five days, just like crawling and walking and hiking and sprinting, and mm-hmm. I mean that's that's why I like bow hunting is it's a challenge and the uh the train to hunt guy uh kenton he told me about these competitions and i was watching them and i'm like i, I really want to try this because at that point i'd firearmed hunted for two years i didn't grow up hunting i grew up you know homeschooled playing chess and playing the violin reading books and <laughs> playing world of warcraft like I, I was i was not like a, a hunter kid growing up and neither were my parents right like we'd occasionally go fishing for trout and that was about it in the in the stocked pond so hunting was new for me i'd been hunting for two years uh, it's totally self-taught like i filled dressed my first animal with the little you know youtube video on the iphone where oh, wow. i'm, I'm you following along video? and i've got my knife oh, and i'm wow. watching the video because that's the way i being homeschooled right like right. I, I like to teach myself things i just grew up as a very independent learner so all, mm. all of my hunting was self-taught that's a great benefit yeah yeah it, it there's there are drawbacks to being very resistant to learning from others or having mentors i, I think that mm. uh, you also don't play well with others right like i grew up as when i got to college i was very poor at like the team activities you didn't weren't socialized i was very good at creating at leading at thinking outside the box at at you know kind of kind of being a lot more independent right well, that's, like, that's fascinating because that's that's what, what you wound up doing me. I mean, that, that's what you that do. It, it, it is what I wound up doing. And also, I read a copious amount. I wrote a copious amount. And that's still what I do because that's what I, that's what I kind of grew up doing, homeschooled. Uh, and it was really tennis that got me into fitness. Like, I played tennis in college, and I got big into tennis in high school. And in, in Idaho, where I was at the time, there's a rule that homeschooled kids could play sports at the local public school. So I played tennis, and that really got me into sports. And then I studied exercise physiology and, and biomechanics in college and and here I am. But what was this, that uh, like going from being homeschooled to mm-hmm. hanging out with public school kids? Really awkward. Like I, uh, because you're not, you're not in class with them. You're not at the prom. You're not, yeah. you're not doing any of the social things that they're doing, but then you might show up at like, you know, tennis practice or whatever. And same thing when you get to college, you're just not used to, I mean, like, dude, I went off the deep end in college cause I graduated when I was 15 and I didn't do like a gap year or anything, right? Like I just started college when I was 16 and I did not have good, self-control around you know, <laughs> sex and alcohol and drugs and all these things that right. all of a sudden I was immersed in in college so and no one was there to tell you no yeah the way I raise my kids is they for example there are there are really no rules in our house right like they can try rum and scotch and whiskey and they can take a hit off the vape pen that like How they, old they, are they can they're nine but they also have been educated about what that might do to their liver or to the gray matter in their brain. Or we right. don't say no gluten. I tell them, you know, gluten is going to affect your test stores, cores, creates neural inflammation, can create some gastric inflammation. You get to choose when you go to the birthday party whether you're going to have the gluten. And sometimes it comes back to bite me because we'll go out to a restaurant and they'll bring the bread out to the restaurant. And my boys will be like, no, no, we don't want the we don't want the bread. And I'm like, but I kind of wanted a little, <laughs> kind of did want a little piece of bread here. So... That I think that's a better way to raise a child, right? You educate mm. them about the consequences of their decision, and then you let them make the decision themselves. Right. You equip them rather than creating a bunch of forbidden fruit, which is the way that I was kind of raised, right? right. So, 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 yeah, it was a little tricky, the whole college thing. Um, but back to, back to bow hunting, it was this train hunting. 
and Kenton came over to my house and I asked him about like kind of like the spear fishing, like what's what's the bow, what release do I get, um, what arrows do I get, how do I do this? I went to the my local bow shop. I took some lessons in shooting, mm-hmm. um, and then I my first hunt. Uh, what was my first hunt? Aside from my property, because I'm on 10 acres, maybe a, a copious amount of whitetail, so I shot my first animal out there. My first major hunt was high country, Colorado. We did like a horseback hunt with a guide there, you know, and that, you that got me hooked. If this was uh, this was elk. Came back after seven days with nothing. That was my very first hunt. So, and then my first actual kill was I, I hunted axis deer down in Texas. Uh, amazing, amazing. Texas is crazy. Wow, man. Test, I was telling you, they have like freaking zebras you can oh, hunt they, down there. Believe me, and, I know. They have yeah, everything. Yeah, yeah. I've, yeah, I've hunted there. Came back and Neil Guy and African animals. And My wife bought us a sausage maker, and me and my boys made made Axis Deer sausage and oh. the backstrap, and it was amazing. And now now they're little they're little chefs, dude. Like they uh, That's cool. They made like bone broth, like made baked donuts out of breadfruit flour, and they used bone broth and colostrum, and they made like a cream cheese ginger frosting. And a dark chocolate cow frosting, and it actually tastes like real donuts. What was this for, from and, a recipe? Uh, yeah, from a recipe, and they had like donut How'd they molds. they find this recipe? And you bake what do you them. Get? Bone broth, colostrum, uh, donut recipe. We, we made it up. And, oh, you yeah, made it yeah. up. Yeah, and they use breadfruit flour, for, or they did. Uh, they do pad thai, but they use those shirataki noodles I was talking about. Mm-hmm. And they use organic roasted crickets, like instead of shrimp or chicken. And the crickets actually taste really good. They're Where like are they nutty cricket? Are they and buying salty. these crickets or are they I think the company, them? yeah, they're not raising the crickets. They're not. Uh, I think it's called Aketa is the company that they get the crickets. And they're really good. They like send you these little. Crickets are good, man. Little baked crickets. Yeah. This and is a place doing I go like to in Mexico. Risotto. And, yeah, crickets are, uh, they're actually really tasty. Yeah. yeah. This is a place yeah. I go to in Mexico, and they, they give them to you. like It's a little appetizer they leave in your room when mm-hmm. you go to this resort. Really? Yeah, they like it's like a, a fried cricket. It's an yeah. appetizer. It's yeah. like it's, it's like the, the resorts you go to with the apples and the mango yeah. covered in the cellophane on the bed, but instead yeah. it's crickets. Well, they have that, too. Wow. They have crickets, too. Wow. And they it's very tasty. They're dark, yeah. and they're, yeah. they're somehow or another cooked. I don't S- know what they're seasoned sustainable, with. Sustainable, mineral-rich source of protein. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I don't... It. See, the thing about most people that are like, they don't want animals to die, they don't usually give a shit about bugs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, not a lot of people find like a June bug super cute and cry when it when it gets killed. Or a mosquito. Yeah. Vegans yeah. will slap mosquitoes yeah. when they're on their arms. Yeah, I read a study this morning. They're gene editing mosquitoes now. Yeah, like they're using CRISPR technology to make the mosquitoes less likely to bite you. I saw that. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, it's very yeah. bizarre. Yeah, and if you there was a little cool little anecdote from that study too, where they found that mosquitoes actually have like uh like they learn if you swat at the mosquito, it actually learns to avoid you. And Whoa. so if, if you, you know, normally I just like put some on my skin, like cinnamon essential oil or something that drives a mosquito away. Does that work? But yeah, it does. You, you, you want to, you want to dilute it cause it's like a very, it's a burning oil, but cinnamon works amazingly. But so, have you ever tried it in like Alaska where they have like really aggressive mosquitoes? Mm, Try it in Hawaii where, where there's a lot of mosquitoes. Um, it's a different animal. Work for me. But, Been to Alaska? Yeah. No. That's, Get out of the fucking car list. and they swarm you like a pack of no, zombies. Alaska doesn't seem like a place I would envision having these like special snow No, they just they don't live very long, so they're incredibly aggressive. Hmm. I mean, I'm telling you, it's the weirdest thing I've ever seen. We went salmon fishing there, me and my friend Ari, and we opened up the car door to get out. And in yeah. the time it takes to open the car door, 
a swarm of mosquitoes was inside the car, and I'm not exaggerating, several hundred mosquitoes. My goodness. Show that, that sounds you, like... that video that you pulled up once we were talking about this with the clouds of mosquitoes in Alaska? Fucking crazy. That sounds like the gra- like when I grew up, I grew up in Lewiston, Idaho, and we would get these grasshopper infestations. Like, oh, yeah. like each locusts. year, they yeah, locusts, and yeah. they apparently they plant their eggs in the ground, and then like in the spring or the summer they hatch. Look at that. Yeah, that's mosquitoes in Alaska. Wow, dude, I'm telling you, it's that's, the craziest wait, that? fucking thing. Just like a bird getting bird eaten by mosquitoes. Look jacked. at it. Oh, birdie getting jacked. Oh my goodness, dude, I'm telling you, I never seen oh. anything like it. And we were covered with DDT and all that shit, but yeah, the you feel uh, terrible. The 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 DEET. Do you know about thermocells? Can- cancer sticks. I do now. I think uh, I uh, I've been using them because my my kids camp outside sometimes. Yeah. You know, in the in the forest, and I'll, I set one of those little thermocell things in front yeah. of there. They're amazing. And, uh, yeah, These the, caribou the, are getting the jacked gets by mosquitoes. Activated. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Oh, is that why the fur is like that? I have no On idea. That caribou. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, the grasshoppers at our house in Lewiston we would actually go sell them to pet stores. Like, that's how we'd make money in the summers because there'd be so many of them. Me and my brothers would walk around with cages, catch these grasshoppers and bring them to pet stores. We'll use them for, like, tarantulas and stuff right. like that. And then this army guy who was in the military came up to our house and he showed us how they eat grasshoppers. So we started eating grasshoppers and we would, like, it, everything, like, we'd microwave grasshoppers, just figure <laughs> out every way to kill a grasshopper. And the way that we got rid of them was we introduced praying mantis and chicken to our property. Oh, and both chickens of those are, are yeah, motherfuckers, Yeah, so we introduced dude. a bunch of, bunch of chickens, and then we have chickens at our property up in Spokane now, too. I have chickens right here. Eggs. Yeah. yeah, Icelandic chickens. They're very, very hardy in oh, the winter. Oh, they're different. And then the goats that we have are Nigerian dwarf goats. And Nigerian? So Nigerian dwarf goats. They're a very small goat, and they produce a lot of milk for their actual size, and they're very hardy in Do the winter. Do you milk them? And they're small, and they're cute, and we haven't milked them yet. Because they need to be, uh, they, they, they have to be pregnant to produce the milk. And we've had some issues with like the babies dying. And like we're, we're, we're learning our goat game. Mm. However, Is we did have to issue? tie rubber bands around a bunch of their testicles recently to, to neuter some of the males. Why don't you get them in front of that light we're training, machine? We're training the males to be <laughs> pat goats. Yeah, put them in oh, front so of the light Oh, so you have to neuter them so you're killing their balls with rubber bands. Right, exactly. Yikes. Yeah. I've it's heard of dudes very, doing that. Look at those little very cute humane. guys. Oh, they're adorable. Yeah, those little are little, little Nigerian dwarf goats. And we have like little Whoa, tires. look at them go. They have little tires that they play on. They're <laughs> super Hilarious. My kids love Jumping them. Jumping over each other. They named them after candy bars like M&M and Caramel and Milky Way and Toffee. And yeah. did you buy them just for pets or did you buy we them? We bought them originally for milk because, you know, goat milk, it's very, you yeah. know, the protein is smaller. It's very thermodynamically uh, compatible with the human yeah. body. Apparently the only one that's better is camel milk. Really? There was a company out of California that was sending me camel's milk to my house for a while, <laughs> and apparently it's super duper healthy for you, and it's and the, the protein is smaller, more absorbable, and and it's less hypoallergenic and friendlier to your immune system. Well, when my daughter was young, um, she could not digest actual cow milk; it just really didn't agree with her. But goat milk was fine. It's one of yeah. the things we found, and I started drinking goat milk. I just yeah. I feel like it, it just tastes better. You I know like what I better. like is the uh, colostrum. You ever use colostrum? Oh, Jamie, you're just basically me. just like playing. Go- what is this goat yoga? Yeah, yeah. people do yoga with goats. They apparently find it relaxing. I to would have get these little so baby. Pit- I, that that does not look relaxing. <laughs> you do a down dog, and you got like a cloven hoof. They like on it your, though. On your cervical people vertebrae. like it. It's it's really oh, wow. popular, man. I think I would get a kick out of that. It distracts uh, you a little bit. Uh, this just like <laughs> looks that's white like, people. That's yeah, a, that's a white yeah. People this thing. looks like something people who've never been on a farm would do. They're like goats, right. yoga. 
Yeah, that looks Seattle. Great. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they go walk out of Starbucks with their their frappuccino and they go sit with the goats. Exactly. Yeah. The, um, well, you've uh, got a great system out there, though. It sounds awesome. It's I mean, a good you've setup. Got wild animals yeah. out there. Yeah. Got, it's a good setup. And yeah. then I have an obstacle. I built an obstacle course because I do all this obstacle course racing. Right. And you know what's cool is you can take all these little little bow targets and you set them up around the obstacle course. So you like climb the rope and come down. Right. And then you shoot your bow and then is you move on. Is that how you practice? Like a, yeah. Do you practice like standing still though and working on your mm-hmm. form and, mm-hmm. and doing that as well where you're yeah. not tired? Yeah. yeah, exactly. It's it's meditative. I would like to have it's, John it's very relaxed Dudley and very meditative. sit down with you and yeah. go over this idea because you, you also – trigger shoot you're not I, you're not using yep. a surprise release i haven't i haven't i took one class at my bow shop on surprise release mm-hmm. and i like it and i get it and frankly i feel like there's a lot less strain in the shoulder when you pull back because for a while i was getting like some of the shoulder like some of the brachialis issues from from pulling back why would it be different um you know how when you do a lat pull down and if you grip thumbs off, you use more of the lats, mm-hmm. and if you grip thumbs on, you use more of the more of the biceps and the okay. forearm muscles. Right. I felt like it was similar to that. I felt like with the with the surprise release, I was using more of my back and less of my forearm and biceps. I don't know if there's something to that, but it doesn't it make any sense because the draw is exactly the same way. The only difference is know. the release. Yeah, it yeah, felt, it felt a lot different. The thing about different. archery is, it's like martial arts in that if you learn the wrong way, it's very difficult to unlearn. Mm-hmm. Like when I was teaching martial arts, it was way better to get someone who was uh, open-minded, who had never had any martial arts experience, versus someone who had many, many years in a shitty martial art, because those people had these deeply ingrained pathways mm-hmm. that were whenever the, the shit would get weird or they would get uncomfortable or they'd get. St- nervous they would go back to their old technique yeah yeah it makes sense yeah and with sense. archery it's it's, it's very different there's there's also uh, a series of uh, instructionals that can show you um about uh surprise releases that john dudley's done put online and there's a guy named joel turner that has this whole dedicated thing to avoiding target panic in uh high pressure situations mm-hmm. he's, he's got a website it used to be called iron mind hunting but now he calls it shot iq i think it's iron shot mind. IQ. isn't iron mind the people that sell the captains of crush hand grip strengtheners i think that's what another another company yeah. but i love those guys i, I have i have a bunch I of those i have everywhere. those up 197 pounds i don't, yeah. I don't know my i think mine might be like 150 years, but i have Fuck, two I things have i travel with one of those uh you know, it was like those power lungs mm-hmm. that, that you breathe in and out of to strengthen the, the expiratory and inspiratory muscles and the diaphragm, mm. and then a captain's of crush. And so if I'm on long, like a long road trip and I right. got to drive a long time, I go back and forth between the hand grip strengthener and then the, the lung strengthener. I'll just like <laughs> work out for like two hours while you're driving. That's and awesome. It's, yeah, it's amazing. You put, put on a good book and work the grip and work the lungs. Yeah, I'm a big believer in those grip things. I mean, mm-hmm. it just makes your hands so much stronger. And yeah. the captains of crush, I mean, they yeah. don't fuck around. Those are really yeah. hard. And you combine that with the app. Yeah, so you mm-hmm. pass out a few times. I mean, it's a super <laughs> safe, the wheel. safe, safe way to drive. <laughs> your hands are going numb. Just like, you got to sweat on. Out. You're blue in the face. You can't even grip the steering wheel because your grip's gone. Yeah. Well, dude, we're, way to roll. we're short on time here, but I feel like we could probably talk for about six days and you would never run out of things to talk <laughs> it's about. That's fun. Yeah. It's fun. Well, yeah. How often are you around here, man? Yeah. We got to do this again. Uh, not that often. Not yeah. that often? Yeah, not no. that. I, I avoid LA. Yeah. Do you? I, I, I like it up in Spokane. Yeah. Oh, but, yeah. But what I do is when I travel, like batch stuff here. Like, I'm just like back to back. Like, I shot four documentaries yesterday and then, you know, talk the day before. Like, I, I batch a lot of meetings and then right. I go home. So I'll go, uh, I'll go out to Malibu tonight and then I'm going to go do. Uh, 
uh, that that human garage treatment on uh, on the the thirty first. Yeah, talk about that for a second home. because I've been following those guys online, the human yeah. garage, and it seems really fucking interesting. It is. And weird. Yeah. What do they do there? It goes back and forth. Like I've had some people tell me like that it's like cultish, right? That because yeah? you go in there and you got to be like a member of their tribe and what? and they but. I have never, I've never experienced anything like that, and I, I'm not quite sure what people mean when they say that. That's because, also you, uh, you have a, a big profile. You're a famous fitness mm, guy. It may, might be they let you slide uh, on the cult. I don't, <laughs> I don't know, but I enjoy it. They like fill you full of like high dose curcumin before you go in, so your muscles just like melt. And then they have like four massage therapists working on you at the same time. And they taught me this: how like if one's like rubbing your head in a clockwise direction, but the other guy's mashing on your adductor with their elbow, you don't feel the mashing on the adductor as much because like the the movement on your head is distracting you from that and then somebody huh. else is working on your leg and they have like all these essential oils that they they fill the air with they're like special oils that that cause you to relax and be a little bit more open to the deep tissue work and everybody there like goes through a special trend i mean i liked it so much i actually i i flew one of their guys up to my house to work on me at my house they're doing it right oh, here? that's me what is that that's a is that there? Yeah, that's there. That's there. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's Gary. And he, he like put on, the first time I was there, he was like working on my back and he worked on my back by putting on a rubber glove. Hey. And, um, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, where are you going? The, I actually have had that intra, intra butt massage. Okay. They, they work on, they, no, they work on your, on your pelvic floor. It's pelvic floor therapy. Inside your that asshole. That gets tight just like anything else. So they go through your yes. asshole to they get to there. They go into your asshole. That sounds like yeah. something that a pervert they would tell you. They do a lot of times for like women with do this. No, I had a girl down in Kauai do it. Uh, I was a, a Gabby Reese's trainer. Like she actually, she does like dry needling and, and intra butt therapy. That rubber glove yeah. on there and yeah, and uh, uh, she also she had me buy like this glass tool so I could do it myself. So hey. I, I do this. I go in through my butt and I do massage. <laughs> and it, it sounds weird, but With it a actually glass works. tool. Why don't they that, make it out of metal? That, that shit gets Why tight. Would, just what if like, it breaks? Glass is smooth. I don't know. Hey, it polish the metal. Yeah. <laughs> The fuck um, putting glass in your asshole. The, Have you uh, ever seen one of those faces of death videos? Isn't that like what are those? Uh, my one? roommates in college used to rent those. It seems like that horrible. Would be a way per someone would die. No. There's a um, there's a video of a guy who stuck a bottle up his ass and then the bottle breaks. It's one of those. No, I stop at THC suppositories and and actual and proven glass rods. deep tissue devices. Yeah, glass rods. Mm. Um, Anyways, the uh, yeah the human guards they went in through through my mouth to work on my back. Like they went actually, in through your mouth. They go in through your mouth like like a big old rubber glove, and they're like working on d the different areas. You know how diff like if you work on like your your infraspinatus or your teres minor in your shoulder, it can actually get rid of pain on the front of your shoulder. Like really? there are certain trigger points. Yes. Huh. And it's very similar. Like there are certain trigger points on the head that refer to like the the back or the psoas. It's really interesting. Like this whole idea behind you yeah. know, fascia and trigger points. And how wet, when you're working on one area, it actually affects another area. Well, I got rolfing done a few times when I had some mm -hmm. uh, pretty bad back injuries. And uh, I found that to be pretty interesting. Yeah. Very painful. Yeah. I I haven't had any rolfing done. I, I had it from I've, a giant dude, I don't too. Think I've, I've ever had. I've ever had rolfing. I, I use a lot of those vibrating foam rollers and vibrating deep tissue devices, mm -hmm. though. Yeah, I'm a big, big but fan. But most of, those. of the time, you're not going yeah. somewhere to get deep tissue. Yeah, uh, most of the time, I I do my own, and I just started to begin to have a massage therapist come to my house once a week because mm. I think like there there's a certain amount of relaxation that you get when somebody else is working on you and you're laying down on a table, and I have like this this you ever used like a bio mat. 
bio, yes. a biomat like produces a bunch of heat. So I lay down on the biomat and I put on my Michael Tyrell beats <laughs> and uh, diffuse essential oil and have her work on me for a couple of hours. Usually I'll have her come over after dinner, like around, you know, seven thirty, eight o'clock. And, you know, like after the family's kind of wrapped up and, and she'll just work on me at night and then I go to bed. It's oh. amazing. Amazing. Listen, Ben, yeah. you're a fascinating dude. I'm glad yeah. we got a chance to talk. Awesome, dude. Really cool. Chance to talk, chance uh, really to shoot. Really appreciate it. That's yeah, a, that's a lot of a, fun. That's a sick techno hunt setup. Yeah, it's a lot of fun, dude. Yeah. Thank yeah. you very much for doing awesome. this. Appreciate it. And, Thanks, and, dude. And people can find you on your website. Wherever. Just Google. Instagram, Google Twitter, yeah. Yeah. all that all jazz. Those, all those places. Ben Hi. Greenfield, ladies and gentlemen. Later.